A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast feed, and this particular episode is one of our deep dives. We're going to dive deep 
into the new Star Wars story, the novel Brotherhood by Mike Chen. I'm excited to go deep into these pages with you. I am Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm Ken Napsack. I'm so excited for I turned my mic off so y'all could hear how excited I am. No, uh, we are very excited, very excited. Uh and and you know, we we made a choice a little bit ago on Four Center. We're like, let's let's read these books and take a little more time with them and and not get the the reviews out on the day the book drops, which is is possible. We we are fortunate enough to get the books in in review. And that's always worked for me, Joseph. But I'll tell you right now, before we get into this review, I felt a little out of the party, like I wasn't invited to the the pool party because everyone's out there tweeting about Brotherhood or, or Alex Damon's releasing some great videos. And I was like, I, I can't watch them. And I, I'm finally happy to get to the book and happy to discuss it. Oh, I'm very happy to get to the book. Yeah, we're very lucky to get this one uh, early. Uh, the cover is great, uh, especially if you like these characters, this era. And it was uh, sitting out uh, just looking at me as I walked by it, as I tried to finish that Kenobi uh, Legends novel from 2013 and <laughs> Queen's Hope. So it was the weird, like, I would like to read you, Star Wars book, but I'm reading these <laughs> other two Star Wars books first. So patience. Patience yeah. paid off here with Brotherhood. Uh, before we dive in, we always want to let you know that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. You can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles and continuing advancing even more, all to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. This week, we're recommending, hey, the book we're talking about now, Brotherhood by Mike Chen. If you prefer the audio or you enjoy it, in addition to reading the pages, you can download your free audiobook today by going to audibletrial.com slash four center again that's audibletrial.com slash four center for your free audiobook the other thing that we must say at the beginning of one of our uh, reviews discussions is the awuga awuga full spoilers we talk about the uh, book in in its entirety so if you haven't read it or listened to it yet and you prefer to do that Go ahead and hit our old friend the pause button and then come back because we're going to go full spoiler. Uh, Ken, are you ready to get into this? I am very much ready, sir. Excellent. Well, then let's just start with the big picture. Did you like this book? What was your big picture reaction? Is it love? Yeah. Is it like? Is it struggle? Why? I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what it is. I just realized I missed a golden opportunity to say this is where the fun begins before you and I do it. <laughs> I apologize, everyone. Uh, this was, uh, I loved it. Uh, it was a very fun read. Uh, there was two layers for me to enjoy this. This is a book that uh, just fills in some wonderful canon gaps and, and provides this valuable perspective on the state of the galaxy as the war breaks at the same time. And, and, and filling in some canon gaps is the easiest, dumbest way to describe this wonderful experience of <laughs> reading uh, an absolute an author who loves the prequel era, an author who loves Attack of the Clones, which we just did with the E.K. Johnson's Queen's Hope, how that would have just, that paid a lot of respect to Attack of the Clones. And here we are 20 years on and to get to experience that. But then the other side, yeah, I really enjoyed this. Uh, like I said, the perspective on the state of the galaxy as the war breaks. That's, that's big. That's the state of the state of the mind of the Jedi, the state of the Sith kind of pushing their chaos and, testing boundaries real early to me. It was like, it was like a test run for a lot of things. Like, Hey, Hey, what do we, what can we do here? But also that it's, it's going on from the start and, and the state of many worlds and, and cultures, not wanting to get caught up in, in, in the war. So therefore a good mix of poignant and fun and kind of how we like our star Wars. Yeah, no, there, there was a lot of uh, layers to it. And I think all of that came from just the love uh, emanating off these pages. <laughs> yeah. um, that this uh, story, this book really felt to me like it is an absolute celebration of these characters 
uh, their relationships, uh, little canon gaps, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. their exact uh, a means of communicating with each other. It's also a celebration of this era from all of the little fun things, but also the huge amount of depth, right? It, but yeah. it really did feel to me uh, almost like, oh, yeah, uh, it's a Lost Clone Wars arc. You know, they meant mm-hmm. to do this. <laughs> They're going <laughs> to jump back and do this prequel that was even earlier than the actual yeah. uh, Clone Wars animated series. You know, it was just it, the uh, the cast of characters, right? It, it's Anakin mm-hmm. and Obi-Wan, of course, but also then Padme and Asajj playing uh, pretty big roles. But then also, like, it, no character just popped up. Every character seemed like, uh, how can I celebrate R2? How can I really have fun with Mace, with Yoda, with Sheev, with Dooku? Everyone who pops up, it's like the story is throwing a little party <laughs> yeah. for who the character is. They're never just cogs in the story. It's really, there's this sense of, of, of deep love of these characters. Yeah, this was this book was a great example, and I think a lot of other Star Wars books are great examples as well. But this one had just a big shining light on it. Of when you hear people say, "I just, I just want my Star Wars to connect to to all the lore and and canon," we really respect that. But we always hear it for us, and we're like, hey, "Yeah, sure, sure," but give me the why behind it. This is a just a big barrel of why, and it, that's yeah. why I think it worked. Yeah, and that's part of the reason that it reminded me of a of a Clone Wars arc, particularly since you know you and I have been doing the the deep dive on the Clone Wars mm-hmm. report of all those stories. Um, that this uh, this book had some like it had some big action moments, but it then also just had a lot of slow build, a lot of tension, a lot of uh, politics, a lot of internal dynamics, and a lot of dynamics between characters, and just kind of like the shape of it and the movement of it also reminded me of a like a good for episode uh clone wars arc yeah one of the big four ones uh that you and i uh have to you know save a sunday to watch and review but uh yeah I agree yeah to binge them all yeah so it, uh, i think i had a weird experience reading this book because you know obi-wan and anakin are staring at me it is you know kenobi fever season and also mm-hmm. you know anakin with the return of hayden christensen in the kenobi television show and i did enjoy every moment with them i enjoyed every insight i feel like a lot of the insights were um like they were validating is maybe not the quite quite the right word i feel like if you're a star wars fan who loves these characters and thinks thinks about them a lot there are a lot of like beats with obi-wan and anakin is like yeah that's what i've always felt is the deal or yeah it really makes sense that they would think uh, about this at that moment and think back on on that canon moment so i I loved everything with obi-wan and anakin it was a celebration of them but then in a strange way uh i was almost more excited about the new things Mm. um which is not normally the way I feel. Normally when I'm reading one of these books, I'm like, I'm kind of here to spend time with characters I already know. Unless it's yeah. something like Lost Stars where the point is really like, you, you're you totally being introduced to new characters, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And sometimes like, uh, like when I flip through this, it's like Obi-Wan chapters, Anakin chapters, I guess I got to get to know a Nemodian <laughs> <laughs> and whoever Mill Alabeth is. And some of the strongest parts of the book, uh, yeah. which is not, not any criticism of the Obi-Wan and Anakin in, uh, sections at all but some of the strongest parts were this you know I- extreme examination of cultural respect for Nemodia, uh, uh spending a lot of more time on the misty bridges cool environment of Cato Nemodia and, and Cato Nemodia and what it means and then this new uh, uh young Jedi this initiate Mill Alabeth finding a different path those things were really, really strong to me. So that was just a, a great discovery that it wasn't the like other books. It's been like, 
yep, no, I know we need to, I see why we need to spend time with these other characters in order to build this narrative, but I'd really like to get back to the characters I know. And I didn't feel that in, in this at all. Yeah, and that, that at times has plagued other books, not, no fault of the books themselves. So, you know, even some of the aftermath stuff where, you know, where's Luke and Han? Well, they can't really be here, but I miss them. <laughs> um, and, and that's nothing because we love Nora and Temin and all the characters we met. I agree with you. I put down the note of uh, I had to adjust uh, early on to Anakin and Kenobi being separated from most of this novel. It was like, mm. brothers, but come on, brothers. Uh, <laughs> you know, I really wanted them, I wanted to see them rolling, but this book excellently builds to that. So it's really pays off well. It's an earned moment of, of their connection and their bond forming. So therefore, yeah, you're right. You have to, you, you have to zero in on what's being presented by the new characters. And I think I, I think I really agree with you in the sense of, uh, about halfway through, when I turned the page and it was Rug's chapter, I didn't have a, uh, uh, all right, let's get back to Anakin, <laughs> which happens. Look, famously, Game of Thrones, the point of view characters, you, you flip a, you you work your way through 40 pages of the most dense descriptions of dinner scenes with Tyrion, and then you turn the page and it's like <laughs> the second night in the back. I don't want this chapter. Uh, it happens. It happens. And I think it's great that you adjust, you, you're, you're, you're saying that, you know, just like, hey, you, you want to see them rolling and, and zipping along and, and this book much like Anakin at, at points forced you to slow down and focus on others. Yeah. And, and I think that is a credit to Mike Chen, because I think the playing with the characters that, that we know was an excellent uh, celebration and exploration of them. But I think some of the new things almost felt like um, there's this passion from them, right? Cause he's, yeah. he's inventing them, you know, and, and it's just a slightly different feel because these are new to sure. the writer as well. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. And then I, I did, I love what you're saying about Anakin and Obi-Wan expecting them to be together. And I like that that is kind of the story of like, well, we're both uh, Jedi now, uh, uh, sad and weird, but time to go our separate ways. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we yeah. still want to be together. We still need to be together, which is a great kind of explanation of why they're going on so many missions together in the Clone Wars animated series of like, they, they work well together and they want to be together. They want to be on assignments mm-hmm. together. Yeah. Yeah. Last big picture thought for me is uh, it's really fun to read a book like this that that is structured a like a mystery like a who's really responsible uh but because of the nature of this era of Star Wars like we kind of know who done it <laughs> you know yeah. it, it's structured like a who done it and if this was the first Star Wars book you ever read you'd be like why the hell didn't they tell us who done it and it's because <laughs> if you're a fan of this era this is not a who done it this is a from page 1 you know who done it? Who wants to accelerate the war? You know the Sith. Exactly. That's I love that. That's a great way to phrase it. Uh, you could almost hear Dex saying it, which is, of course, the other big thing for me. It's, it's, just, it's so much great Dex stuff. And I got to tell you, uh, you know, we don't do a lot of author interviews here. Other people do that and do that well. Uh, it doesn't really flow with Force Center all the time here, but. I want to one day maybe share a, a, a beverage with Mike Chen and just talk about Dex. Um, <laughs> because that thing that, you know, you and I talk about here of, of shared unique journeys and you're in your corner in a small town growing up and you think you're the only one that loves bigs. And then you turn, turns out, no, everyone, you know, a lot of other people love bigs. And then it's, you all kind of come together over this. Uh, oh my God, we all love bigs. I thought I was the only one Dex for so long for me, you and a lot of other people was that, but I, I kind of like the diner scene guy and to see 20 years later, this celebration of Dex and have someone like Mike Chad is like, no, no, no. I see Dex. I know Dex and I feel Dex. It could be a little joke for us. Like, ah, oh, cool more Dex, but it was really, really good. And, and just uh, worked on a lot of levels. 
Yeah, no, the the deck stuff to me was not a joke at all. It was the logical extension of his brief appearance in Attack the Clones, that there is yes. this friendship with Kenobi, but also this Kenobi goes to him for this different perspective of the galaxy, this sort of uh, rugged, lived, experienced, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, not as, uh, as rigid or formal as the Jedi kind of knowledge, and that tracks through the whole book and the relationship. Yeah, absolutely. Knowledge right. and wisdom. Exactly. Knowledge and wisdom, the key to attack the clones, uh, said with a laugh <laughs> by Dexter Jetster. Just rewatched that film for its anniversary. It's such a great scene and such a great film. Uh, but we're going to dive into some of these big ideas of what's going on in this book. Uh, there is a lot. Uh, I think for me, the biggest uh, idea that that uh maybe not even the most uh, complex uh, uh, or juicy, but the one that is the most central, I think, to the story is this big idea of adjusting to the new. Um, all of our primary characters are stepping into new roles and the entire galaxy is adjusting to the brand new reality and the uncertainty of the Clone Wars, right? Uh, on the character level, we got Obi-Wan adjusting to being Anakin's peer and not his master. Obi-Wan is also adjusting to being on the Jedi Council temporarily at the beginning and permanently at the end. And then Anakin has got a lot of adjusting to do. <laughs> He's adjusting to being a Jedi Knight, a husband, and having uh, his new Mechno arm. Padme we don't spend as much time with, but we get, like we did in, in Queen's Hope, a little bit of perspective on her adjusting to being a wife and adjusting to being a senator during war and what that means. And then even the new characters we meet, uh, uh, Rug, the Nemodian, used to be special ops, but now she's adjusting to just being a guard now. Um, and like Obi-Wan, she's wrestling with having someone to guide in, in Kitar, who, who tends uh, toward anger. <laughs> uh, so that's an adjustment, I think, for her as well. And then the new Jedi initiate we meet, Mil Alabeth, is meant to go on the gathering uh, in, in taking her first step into a new role. Cause, so we're meeting her on the verge of, you're supposed to be coming something new now. You're supposed to be taking the next step now. And she's not mm-hmm. wanting to and has to figure that out. And then kind of on the, on the larger level, we got all of the Jedi adjusting to being generals and being merged with the military. And what does that mean? It even extends to the kind of the plot itself, like that there's a lot of discussion about the bombing on Cato Nemodia is unthinkable, but mm. maybe not in this new world. In like the whole galaxy is having a harder time working with it because like you were saying, Everything is up for grabs now. And yeah, I think I like that you pointed that out with the Sith too, of like, (laughs) uh, they're not naughty children. Uh, They're evil adults, but it's still that same thing of like, can I get away with this now during the war? With the, have we, the cover of the dark side clouding the Jedi and everybody being confused and volatile? Can I get away with this now? Uh, So it's everywhere. What are your overall thoughts on this theme? Does it work for you on both a character level in a galaxy level? And, and what's impactful about it to you? Man, I really love this theme. I love that you highlighted this one first, Joseph. It's no small uh, connection, I think, that that Mike Chen and his authors know. And I think he, I even saw some supplemental interview material where he he's like, you know, I, I wanted to write a Star Wars book for so long. And it was a dream. And then, you know, I pitch it. And then there's a Kenobi one. And, I, and then the lockdown hits. And, and, you know, I think he had a new kid, a new job. Uh, or his wife had a job, too. And, you know, and his wife... Like, let's do this. We're going to figure this out. And how that is this big, giant new normal 
a new normal mm. that we all faced, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And that we're all still dealing with. And you, I think I've talked about it before here. It's like, it's one of the things that I rub up against some even close friends in my life when I see them fighting this idea of the new new normal. Uh, and I really enjoyed the exploration of that. Everything you're talking about is is this powerful theme of adjusting to what is here. And that speaks to change and growth that we always talk about in Star Wars, which is so exciting. So, so key to the Star Wars story. So to learn it from the character point of view, to see how they all struggle with it, all they all succeed with it at times. Um, it's, it's just really exciting because that, that is the, the new, the new way is not just something personal and it's always not just your choice. Sometimes it's a situation in the world around you dictating this change. And, and so much of the change in this episode is being driven by this war that has mm-hmm. exploded. So I love that, you know, I love this idea. We find our new selves, we find our, our, our new normal and it determines, um, and how, and how we find ourselves in that is, is what I, sh- I mean, uh, determines how well we maintain the changes that do come or that we do discover or the choices that we want to stand behind, you know, and, and how well we keep that all going. And so the fear of the new normal fighting it, uh, and, and not finding yourself inside of that new normal, it breeds the fear that star Wars is always preaching against on. And, and this book mm. has small and big examples of that. Down to you know, uh, you know, Rug and Kitar and how they deal with it, and, and Kenobi and just like Kenobi going, hey, brother, student, I don't know. Oh, okay, I got to figure that. Out. It's how you deal with that new normal is where you go, and, and I think that's powerful for Star Wars. Yeah, it's a powerful Star Wars story on multiple levels, and it's powerful uh, because it's real, right? Like, we yeah. all have to evolve. I, I feel like I'm kind of, you know, with everything that's happened in the world, I'm thinking about that a lot of, like, what things have I always done that I maybe don't need to do anymore, even if it would make me sad or that kind of thing, or, you know, really being willing to look at what's next, what should be next, what feels right, Um being able to let go is a part of, mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. allowing yourself to evolve. And it, it's hard and scary and sad sometimes, but sometimes it, it's right. And you won't change if you, if you cling to the way something was. And I think what's going on here that's impactful is a willingness to change. Like it's not yeah. surprising that Obi-Wan would be embracing this uh, or Padme, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Characters who I think are, are uh, you know, they are geared toward, being honest with themselves in in analyzing themselves. And a lot of the book, I think, is really great to get inside the head of Anakin, who will resist some changes. Uh, but these changes, he's having so many great discoveries uh, mm-hmm. that we'll talk about. It, it, so it, it's, it's powerful to see all these characters who are kind of turning things over and over in their mind and their hearts uh, and say, yeah, change is going to happen. I'm not going to resist the change, but I got to figure myself out within it. Um, and then the other thing that I think this era, this moment uh, of the Star Wars story is uh, powerful, this book does a great job playing with, is this idea that change is inevitable. And some of it is good, some of it is natural, and some yeah. of it's awful and unnatural. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's not just that uh, change is good or bad. It's that change is inevitable. It is going to happen. And yeah. some of it is going to feel natural and positive. And some of it is going to be, this is out of my power and it's awful, but it's real. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's going on is like uh, on the personal level, a lot of the changes are just growing up, right? Like Obi-Wan stepping into the role of Jedi Master on the council is just get getting that job you always wanted. <laughs> right, yeah. You know, Anakin becoming a Jedi Knight is just growing up. Uh, Mill Alabeth basically going through I, I have I have to grow up uh, the Jedi won't let me stay where I am I have to take the next step mm-hmm. how the hell am I going to do that that's all just kind of natural right 
Yep. Uh, the horrific war started by the evil wizard <laughs> yeah. is not natural or good, but it's real and it's here and we have to adapt to it. Even if our, even if our adapting to it is trying to stop it, yes. we have to accept that it's real and embrace it for what it is. Yes. And I like even looking to break that down to like Mills role. I loved you talking about how it's almost like she's graduating uh, elementary school, going to junior high, which was little Kenny Napsock's most terrified three months that summer. I just did not <laughs> want to face that. I, for me, it was sixth grade into seventh grade is how they divided it. Um, I actually think I connected with her on that little bit, little level too of like, whoa, 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 whoa. What do I, what do I want to do with myself here? Uh, so that worked, but that that's going on while, yeah, these, these things are just, you can't avoid it. Uh, there are things you can't avoid. You got to face it when you're not prepared to face it. I think there was a, a, a good old song back in the day there that I love so much. So, um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So it got me, it got me on all, on, it got me on the Star Wars level, got me on a personal level. Yeah, me too. So let's dive into some of these, uh, these uh, adventures in adjustment uh, with specific characters. What was most interesting to you about Obi-Wan adjusting to his various new roles? I think for I went to this idea of him having to kind of relinquish the power dynamic that he was kind of in control of, teacher student, um, maybe even father son. I have some more thought thoughts on that later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and the book is called Brotherhood, but um, and it's it's kind of a constant struggle with that along the way, and then just kind of this wonderful understanding all through it, but definitely at the end, definitely the great Qui Gon stuff we're going to talk about. But of oh yeah, equal footing. And and how he found, I think, peace and confidence and even inspiration from some of Anakin's growths in that. Uh, that, w- that was really fun to read. Yeah, yeah. I thought there was a lot of great stuff. I, I liked the kind of epiphany that he, how much he realized uh, missing the balance of having Anakin with him. Like, he yeah. seemed honest that like, well, yeah, of course, of course I love him. And of course I want the best for him. And of course I believe in him, but I'm really worried about his tendencies. And I've just kind of uh, been on him for years <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to, to, to do what he needs to, to do what is right. And then this, the first mission I go on without him, like, oh, I, <laughs> I'd have eight ways to handle this if I did the call methodical thing and i sent him off to do the dangerous weird thing for me yeah and that realization of like oh he provided more balance than i realized i missed that mm-hmm. that was really mm-hmm. uh touching and and powerful um I, i'm i've always been fascinated by the father brother thing which is just there in the actual uh prequels it, the films it is great yeah. tip of the iceberg storytelling if you want to dive into it that Qui-Gon is clearly a father figure in what happens when he disappears and Obi-Wan, this grumpy, slightly older guy, is suddenly thrust into this fatherly, fatherly yeah. role. And then we have the actual dialogue where uh, where Anakin uses the, the father phrases for Obi-Wan twice in Attack the Clones. But, you know, in the, in the brutal end of Revenge of the Sith, it's not, <laughs> you were my son, it was, you were my brother. That's always been fascinating and i love obviously with the title brotherhood that the the book uh, really dived into why does obi-wan feel that way why is he so much more comfortable with uh being anakin's brother than his father and uh, i'm sure we'll talk about it more but that epiphany it's on like page 315 316 mm-hmm. that you know what connected anakin and obi-wan is qui-gon's belief in in both of them and mm-hmm. that obi-wan was 
never really suited to be in a father role because it was like they were both sons of Qui-Gon. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I think everything kind of flows from that of, you know, Obi-Wan is observing their dynamic changing as they yeah. come back together uh, in, in figuring out like the, oh, we can still have all of the relationship we had. I can still kind of lecture him. He can still poke back at me. <laughs> we can yeah. still be kind of weirdly competitive, but suddenly it makes sense when I am not entirely responsible for him, but just a brother to be there for him when he falls and to lecture him now and again, but not to be this, this master always telling him what to do and who to be. I can yeah. be there for him when he falls, <laughs> not tell him what to do every second of his life. Yeah. And I just wonder if, if they had both um, had a full, you know, more complete understanding of this dynamic and, uh, you know, bringing love the you, you bring in the Qui-Gon kind of, you're both my sons, older and younger brother, <laughs> but both my sons where maybe if they'd understood that a little bit sooner, they, they could have uh, provided uh, a, a better base for each other or definitely Obi-Wan for Anakin, as I think we'll discuss later. But also it, you know, this is not, uh, it's not a bad thing that they're brothers, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. I love the journey to get there. Love yeah. That. Yeah. And I think it speaks to like Obi-Wan having to take him on so early that maybe mm-hmm. Obi-Wan didn't entirely know who he was. <laughs> well, well, yeah. yeah. It's, it, there's that lot of, um, and even you were talking about earlier, it's not just like, uh, I'm one side, uh, you know, I'm country, he's rock and roll. Uh, it, it is, you're learning so much about yourself. You're learning so much about what you need and you need to improve. Uh, when, when that other part, uh, partner or half is gone or something's missing. And I think that's, uh, that's a valuable lesson there for both. It's, it's a life lesson uh, that we all go through. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when the, when the book finally, uh, builds up to kind of these big moments of action, I love the symbolic clumsiness of their reuniting, right? Mm-hmm. That Obi-Wan doesn't even know Anakin is there. Anakin doesn't <laughs> know that Obi-Wan is, is pulling his lightsaber and that they kind of collide and, you know, mm-hmm. the the great uh, sad foreshadowing of Anakin cutting himself <laughs> yeah. on Obi-Wan's blade. I love the clumsiness of that, of like, okay, we're, we kind of want to be together. We kind of meant to be mm-hmm. together, but we got we to gotta iron it out. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it so, pays off. Yeah. Moving over to the, the Anakin side of this uh, brotherhood, what was most interesting to you about all of the things that Anakin is adjusting to? What did you gravitate toward? There's a lot. Not there. Um, I, I went with uh, this. Uh, you know, here here he is, kind of exploding out into being a Jedi. The mm-hmm. the rush trials, the need to promote in the field, so to speak, because of the tragedy at Geonosis. Like all that kind of made sense to me, and to see him explode on out, and then immediately having. I really liked him having to slow down, just immediately having to slow down. The great warrior babysitting was just very, very entertaining <laughs> to me. But through some of that and 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 learning from Mill. And again, just what I was saying earlier, you know, if, if you've ever been in kind of a teacher mentor role, you you probably learn more about yourself. Right. And and you probably uh, uh, learn, uh, learn maybe what you shouldn't have done or what you should do uh, in general. But so there's all that. And then, he has this revelation early on when he's talking to the kids of um, not revelation, I guess he's, it's something he's, he's, he's very aware of uh, finding value in everyone in terms of your own growth. He has this great thing with Jar Jar uh, on page 93, when he mentions uh, representative Binks from Naboo and the children kind of giggle Well, he walks funny. He taught me loyalty and it never judged people. And, and you say he walks funny, but to him, that's just how Gungans walk as a Jedi. You'll encounter many different people turn uh, during your training, during your mission, uh, politicians, locals, etc. So it, it's about everyone uh, having something to offer to not just the overall story, but your own growth. 
And as as Anakin's just exploding out, lightsabers, uh, you know, ignited and ready to fight. And he's the, the title of the chosen one hangs over him. He has to slow down several times to, to learn more and learn from those around him. Yeah, no, that, I'm really glad you picked that out. I love that scene where he is uh, supposed to have memorized uh, a speech. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can imagine him writing this kind of rigid lecture speech because he has that side of himself uh, too. Um, yeah. And then that, that that little passage about there's no amount of force power that will it, it make you be able to remember your lines, uh, which I related to as a person who's performed a lot of theater and had to memorize a lot of lines. Yeah, that Jar Jar thing was so great. I pictured uh, Jar Jar running in the Lego video game, which... Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> Makes me laugh so much. But it was a really powerful moment of Anakin just kind of desperate for what to say to these kids and realize I'll just tell them the truth, which is this is how other people have shaped me. Yeah. It was a, a great, a great moment. Um, one of the moments that was really powerful to me is when he's kind of thinking of doing what he always does, which is bend to break the rules, bend or break the rules uh, to do what he thinks is is right and go after Obi-Wan and help him. Uh, And he's normally like, okay, I'm going to kind of do this, but then everybody's going to drag me on the carpet and yell at me, and Obi-Wan's going to be in my ear telling me I shouldn't have done that. And then (laughs) he just starts telling the clones to do things, and they do them. And like, wait, Mm. clones do whatever I say? And it's... (laughs) It's the beginning of the, uh, one of the many great little uh, uh, tidbits of the beginning of the bond between Anakin and the clones. But I also just think it's such a great um, it's a great evolution in and a great idea about uh, mentorship that Anakin starts to come into his own throughout the book. And, you know, Obi-Wan notes this and comments on it uh, because he's choosing, uh, because he's not following orders. And I think about this um, so much, this idea that if you're trying to guide someone, teach someone, uh, even convince someone, all you can do is kind of uh, appeal to them, show them the door, maybe open it a crack. But if anything is going to happen, the person must choose to go through the door themselves. And that just rings true over, you know, all sorts of different aspects uh, of life to me. And I almost feel like that's what's happening by Obi-Wan taking off the pressure <laughs> you know it, it feels like a lot of the training was been like oh uh, anakin here's the door go through it this way don't make that look on your face when you go through it just go through right. the damn door <laughs> yeah and in the epiphany for anakin going like oh well if i can go through it myself and make all of my own choices then suddenly i'm not my choices aren't uh so reactionary mm. to you know a, a mentor telling me what to do now I can really assess them for myself and, and truly own my own choices and therefore have to examine them. Mm. Yeah. And then a dark side of uh, when you start making other choices. <laughs> yep. Just, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And I think the book does a great job dealing with that. Uh, mm. the, all the stuff with Padme was great too. But the other thing I really loved is the, that how much we tracked with his hand. Um, yes. How much he was getting used to it. There's always been this kind of, tension where you know lucas has just straight up said in quotes like yeah no he can't use the force as well anymore Uh, but darth vader is still you know Mm -hmm. he's damaged goods but he's he's still uh you know uh, he's still pretty good at fighting (laughs) yeah he's still pretty good at killing lots and lots of people his connection with the force is still clearly there and this is the beginning the very beginning of that journey and how much he's like trying to compensate for it and figure it out and then in this moment in his fight with ventress on uh, page 297, 
uh, it says his mind didn't need to be calibrated to his old instincts. No, it was much simpler. His mind had to adapt to his arm. With that, everything shifted. Just like his relationship with Obi-Wan, all he had to do was accept that it had changed. Yeah, I thought that was like, that was to me like kind of the slam dunk moment on on Anakin. Uh, mm-hmm. That idea of like, yeah, no, your arm is never going to be the same, but that doesn't mean it's worse. <laughs> it yeah. just means it's different. And uh, are you open to adapting to it? Yeah, well said. I think I dare say it's it's part of the heart of this story, and it mm-hmm. was great to pick this up after reading Queen's Hope, where he has those some of those moments where he's like, "Yeah, I don't know this hand. I'll make some adjustments. I'll fix this. I'll make it better for myself." And just to continue that out, which hey, on the surface, sure, make make your adjustments, but yeah, the idea of like we're talking about this new normal. And you can't always fight it. It doesn't mean you can't stand your ground if you might know some things about who you are. But you you, you got to find yourself in it. And I love that moment. You're right. It was a oh kind of a moment for Anakin and maybe for the story. It's here. That's on your arm. What are you going to do? And don't fight it. Um, work with it. Go yeah, with it. Don't, yeah, let your arm be the new normal uh, to go back to our, our beginning conversation. I also like that that passage um, where he was being real honest with himself about all the things he cared about and how much he cared about himself, or how much he cared about them, in that he, <laughs> uh, I think the book did a good job of, just, of showing how great Anakin, what a wonderful person he could be, and then the dangers, right? And yeah. uh, of knowing where he's going to go. And I love that passage where he kind of lists like, okay, I care about the Republic, the Jedi, Obi-Wan, Palpatine. And I think if I serve all those interests, it will benefit benefit my actual main priority, which is just be alone with Padme. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. like, it, it's so great because you can, there's a part of it. It's like, I can see your logic. And then there's a part of it of like, you are twisting things around so they yes. fit the way you need and want them to be. There's this rigidity that's like, this is the way it has to be because I've organized all the things I care about. So they funnel in this specific way and it's gotta be that way. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me think of, of, uh, you know, Vader's first moments and the infamous no and where's Padme, uh, how it all leads to that. Yeah. There's so you, you highlighted, I'll talk about it later, but there's so much of just what I loved about, um, Anakin and, and who he is deep down inside uh, and, and dangers of that. Yes. But just who he actually is. Yeah, exactly. So uh, of all the other characters uh, wrestling with the new, who or what landed with you the most? I did really uh, dig rug or a rug. Um, this hardened special op soldier, uh, probably not phased by much and finding a, a new way to look and deal with things. Just simple. I loved it. Um, I get it. And um, I just loved the journey. And, and I never, I'll tell you what, I never had a doubt. From the moment we met her, I was like, ah, we got, we got, we got a, we got an ally coming down the path here. But just to see it play out, play, see it uh, work was a lot of fun. I also really came around to Mill. Um, I, I will admit to having some negative reactions from her from a big personal standpoint early on. Um, really? I did not like, I was getting a little frustrated with the, uh, I just wanted to go take the damn lightsaber. Just take it. All right. Quit calling it a weapon. Don't worry about it. I was getting a little, a little grumpy and, uh, you know, flipped the pages and, and, and loved the journey that she went on and found her presence to be perhaps the most important in the show. Or the show. It, was, it feels like the Clone Wars um, in the book. 
Um, what what yeah. what caused? I mean, we all love lightsabers, and it is really it, it, her, some of her her stuff is really like I don't want to get why they she's dismissive, right? That they all kind of think of it as this cool weapon, and that they're into war, and they just want to go play with it. So is that what is that yeah. what irked you? Yeah, it, that, it, yeah, that it, you that's a great word, dismissive, uh, which is unfair to those. I, now again, to, as from a writing standpoint, it was very effective. It also it's it's almost meta, right? It's almost meta of I love Star yeah. Wars. It's so badass, and you got someone going, but ah, is that what we're doing here? Is that all of what we're doing here? So, like tonight, in the end of the story, um, absolutely love the character, and absolutely think she has one of the best moments. Um, in terms of quotes and stuff they pulled out. But yes, I, I, you know, you know my background, you know, just old jobs and what I did and friends. And, you know, I used to have lunch while people were cleaning guns around me. Like, it, it's none of it phases me. And so I've just had this, I had this reaction to just because they want to go to the gathering doesn't make them a-holes. Calm down, Mel. Calm down. Got it. And I Got had it. to take a breath and, uh, you know, like, again, we're, we're on the store. And I, and again, but I think that works. I think that, that shows that, that, that uh, it was very intentional to drive home a point and that, that Star Wars does that. It isn't complicated shades of gray. It is it is a morality tale, in case you haven't heard that before. Uh, and, and, <laughs> and she had some very important things. And I I found myself, if I would have been like in Anakin's shoes, I might have been the first, first going, just rub rub some dirt on it, take a shower, and, 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 hit, the, and hit the field, okay? <laughs> Walk Calm off down. your nauseous yeah. uh, aversion, uh, your overwhelming yeah. nausea uh, when thinking about violence. Walk yeah. it off, kid. Yeah, do you yeah, walk it off. Do you want the job or not? And then at the end, it, I get it, and I got it. And so, yeah. uh, but there, there you go. But so, again, my first sentence, uh, really came around on Mel. Really love it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm, I am not uh, trying to turn this into a, no, no. a pro-con debate. <laughs> Do you work uh, for Vanity Fair? Okay. No. Um. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think for me, what was fascinating about it is, yeah, I'm a, I'm a lightsaber guy and, and I love them as a symbol of defense and a, a symbol of, of taking action and that they are a shield more than they are, you know, something to lash out. Um, love lightsabers, spent a lot of money to make one of my own at Galaxy's Edge, yeah, and I'm probably yeah. going to do it again someday. So I was a little shocked by it. I was like, I was fist pumping for Mel. Yeah. I think partially because I, I, I love everything in this book, but I think I am, I think there is something that is getting a little bit more hungry for me uh, for, for the new along with the old. Mm-hmm. And that uh, this was a, a new character that made so much sense in this moment, in this context of, this isn't a time where lightsabers are going to be, you know, used to deflect some blasters, maybe if things get really exciting and mostly they're used to spar and they're mostly uh, philosophical. This is a time where they're going to probably be used to hack through things and people. They're going to be used more as weapons. So to have a Jedi sensitive, not only to lightsabers, but to lightsabers in the context of the Clone Wars and to, mm-hmm you know, step away from the, um, the, the thrill of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I'm just fascinated with this conversation. Cause when you, when I hear you describe it, I'm like, wait, I should have been pissed off. Why wasn't I? <laughs> cause <laughs> no, cause I no, was no. into it. I was so on board to it and into mm-hmm. it immediately. Maybe it is because it is that meta level of let's not the light lightsabers are a symbol of hope. They're not, you know, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, no, no, you, no, you, I, you, you can read this as Mill is being a jerk to Star Wars kid, you know, like they're supposed to be fun. They're supposed to be the, the fantasy, of, you know, I didn't think of those terms, but yes, that works. No, no, I think um, um, there's just some um, truth of what you're saying about how the start of the war. And this is a great character to show 
show us all on a smaller, intimate level what mm-hmm. the Jedi are, are doing. So that's why it was super effective to me. And personally, where her character ends up, I, I think it's great and, and powerful. And someone who's like, I'm not out of the Jedi order. I just want to use my skills the way I I, I want, number mm-hmm. one. And two, in keeping with this, I'm, uh, you know, uh, what, what's uh, the famous, uh, you know, pacifist military medic. I, I don't carry a gun, but I'm going to be here. So I, mm-hmm. I really love that. And again, super effective, the conversation we're having. This book very clearly shows how fast the Republic and, and the Jedi were putting on armor and heading into battle, right? And even though there's some great, uh, the armor doesn't even literally fit right. <laughs> like, there's some great stuff. Um, yeah, I, I don't think you're wrong at all. And and I think it's uh, it was used effectively. I just... Um, yeah, just and again, personal bias too, but also just uh, you know, um, um, you have to work through that, and, and you have to go in the character journey, and yeah, that's what I did. That's what I did. But yeah, no, yeah. I, it, it's so funny. Yeah, no, I, you're not. You shouldn't. Uh, you shouldn't have been mad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but 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 I take your point because, like, at the beginning, you know, we're dealing with Obi Wan and Anakin and Padme and all these characters really going like, well, I have to face the new, I have to adjust to it, and the beginning of Mel's journey is just like a big nope, I'm not doing i'm not taking the next step and, and mm. just narratively sometimes that can be a, a frustrating thing it's like because yeah the character is going to have to take the step um eventually i think i loved it because it was so in sync with the storytelling of this era it, like you said a, a smaller version of it and then I, I loved that it got to this point of that she had this epiphany that sensing uh pain is affecting her because she wants to do something about it and wrestling mm-hmm. with how much she can do and control, right? Like, and Anakin's kind of like sad, you know, he can't help everybody. You do have to pick and choose, which is amazing to hear, you know, Anakin uh, say that, that epiphany that other people's pain is difficult for me because I want to be able to do something about it. Um, Yeah. And and maybe one of my favorite moments in the book when like they've meditated, everybody's happy. Her and Anakin have meditated. And she's like, I've found my answer. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be a Jedi Knight. And then, yeah, the the conclusion of her being a medic is is great because now she yeah. has adjusted to the new. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and I think I think the uh, final note for me on it too. I think I had a little bit here. I was already kind of working through some stuff with her, and then when she kind of revealed that she gets sick, she's like allergic to violence almost. I'm generalizing mm-hmm. that, but I was I was just like, oh come on. <laughs> Come on, come on, get back out on that field and you play kid. Uh, So again, me, me, I have to own me. Yeah, yeah, no, understandable, understandable. Uh, And in fact, it's a great segue into the next big theme I want to discuss, and that's the power of the heart. Uh, (laughs) Damn it. Emotions. Uh, So much great stuff in this book Mm -hmm. about emotions. Uh, In an effort to to find this new path uh, that we've been talking about, many of the characters make choices uh, between leading with their heart, their emotions, or leading with logic, rules, Mm -hmm. tradition. Uh, The heart is really framed as power that can tip to light or dark. We learn about that sun dragon myth uh, that Shmi told Anakin about a dragon that lives inside the sun and protects everything. And sometimes it's a defensive story. Sometimes it's an aggressive story. Uh, Anakin's whole uh, emotional approach to life, to being a Jedi is framed as both, you know, dangerous because he's unable to let go, but it's also framed as his caring allows him to be kind and gentle and reach out and help and understand Mill. Um, so it's it's framed from both perspectives. Uh, Mill Alabeth, I feel, discovers her true path by opening up to the Force and, and following her instincts 
towards only helping and never fighting. That's like a, I'm not just going to go in lockstep of this is what a Jedi is supposed to do next. Uh, it's not about mm-hmm. rules, tradition, logic. For me, I have to open up to my emotions and figure out what my truth is. Mm-hmm. Um, Obi-Wan has that great epiphany that, that we already talked about a little bit and can talk about more that he and Anakin are bonded by the fact that Qui-Gon believed in both of them on an intuitive emotional level because that's also how Qui-Gon functioned. Uh, Obi-Wan also has this great uh, upsetting realization during his trial that the Nomodian people were uh, not going to listen to Obi-Wan's logic. They were absolutely going to listen to Kitar's emotion. So yeah. it's it's the personal story of of heart uh, in emotion versus logic in, in structure. And it is also like that affects us as individuals and boy, does that affect us as a group. So how do you feel about that big picture story about the battle between logic and emotion? Oh brother, you know how some people try to win arguments with word salads and just throw big fancy words to hide their lack of a point. I make word enchiladas <laughs> where I have a big point, but then the words start falling out as I start working through it. And You're even in me my, so hungry. <laughs> yeah. Even in my notes, this is where I go. It is. It, 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 I'll start as simple as I can. It's 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 wonderfully case by case. And, and the reason I say that is your last point about Kitar's emotion and the danger of that and how you can play on emotions. And, and it's such a weapon where just logic can't can't has no has, what can we do against so much emotion with my little logic that kind of jumbles it around in a wonder what wonderful way for me. So I'll just say this. I think this is an important lesson for the galaxy uh, and all of us as the war is catching fire, that the balance between logic and emotion is going to be pushed in ways. No one can, you just can't factor it in. Uh, no one can factor it in here. Even at the beginning of this war, they get in a sense that it just becomes this big old jumble and logic dictate dic- dictates to me that, um, Hey, we, you know, logic might say we must take some sort of action, but my heart is telling me that this one thing might not be, the path might not be entirely present yet. So then you have to decide and you've got, it's got to be a choice that flows down to one result, helping the good, uh, helping the greater good, helping people, empathy, this big star Wars idea. So if you're weighing logic and emotion, just drill down on the core of whatever you're fighting for. And does logic take you to helping the greater good? Does emotion take you to help helping the greater good uh, and how you get there? That's the value of this. And, and, and the logic is going to trip up the Jedi might already be tripping them up. Logically, they should join the fight to defend the Republic, to stop suffering. What does their heart tell them in this moment? What mm. doesn't their heart tell them mm. along the way? Something's off. But mm. so, uh, and again, I want to be clear, Ventress playing Katar's emotions like a vibro space violin. Um, <laughs> it was my favorite chapter of this book because it was so dangerously real. There yeah. is no yes or no, no binary answers here. Logic versus heart, logic and heart. You drill down to the core. What's it doing? Are you helping the greater good? Yeah. Well, your enchilada was delicious. I think your point about the Jedi relying on logic for the Clone Wars, not emotion. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the emotion they're they're leaning on maybe is a little bit of fear of the unknown. If we don't know what's going on because of the dark side cloud and everything, mm-hmm. so we have to figure this out. That's that's the cheese. That was a, a delicious <laughs> topping to your enchilada. I really I agree with your enchilada. I think for me, just to, to really break it down is, I think the battle between logic and emotion, it's one of the, it's not a battle. It's one of the great balancing acts of, mm, of yeah. human existence. I think about it a lot because I think I have a tendency toward both. I have a part mm. of me that it tends toward rigid <laughs> mm. and I have a part of me that tends towards, well, let's just float and find out. And, and I think uh, I have confronted them a lot 
uh, in artistic pursuits, particularly in writing. I think mm. writing is such a mix of structure and intuition, right? Uh, it's uh, mm. a lot of times it's easier to just pull back and look at an outline and then you can just have like a, a real structural conversation with someone else. Like you're building a house of like, oh, this uh, story isn't working uh, because this structural pillar, this scene that needs to be one place is in the wrong place and let's move it and good, we fixed it. And you can be talking about a story like it's a mm. blueprint and you can have this logical back and forth conversation with another human. Yeah. But writing to me is also like just sit down and don't think, feel. Yeah. You, 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 have a, you have a sense that this scene should be here. You have a sense that this character should yell this word. You have a sense that there needs to be a cat in this scene. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it's not logical. It's intuitive. And then that's where you get into like, you know, when you're working with other people and you're debating is like, I don't want to debate this. My gut tells me there should mm. be a cat in this scene. That it won't work if there isn't a cat. That that's what's right. And then people try to bring logic to it. And it's like, there's a part of it that is not logical. There's a part of it that's emotional. So that, yeah. that's, um, uh, sorry for the writing rant, but that's really how, how I process this on a mm, personal no. level. Mm -hmm. That it's a constant balancing act between these two skill sets that we have as humans. Yeah. Um, and then in this great Star Wars story, that trial scene was amazing and just so painful. Um, because I think it has such a great relationship to, uh, real life po politics yeah. throughout the history of <laughs> human existence, but certainly right now that it is so much easier to get people on mass to react emotionally, that that's a danger, uh, that that's a failure, um, is somebody who is a lifelong Democrat, that's a a failure in real life of the democratic party. Often they make the logical argument and they can't find a way to make the emotional argument and right. they don't do as well. Um, that's something right. that's, that's being discussed a lot now. So that, that painful moment of everything that Obi-Wan is saying is, is powerful and true and sincere. And it doesn't matter because Kitar ripped people's hearts open Yeah, is, you know, that's extremely powerful and I don't feel like the book is really trying to make this argument, but it's the, what I thought about is this is one of the other reasons that I feel like Padme is one of the great heroes of Star Wars is she's one of the few people who can do both, right? She, yeah. she cares massively about everybody, but so she has this huge emotive, emotional part of herself. But then on the other side, she has this great logic of like, these people are suffering and it can't go on. So realistically, what policies can I change and who do I have to negotiate with to address it? She starts emotional and she uses logic to get it done. She's yeah. one of the characters who, who is the balance. Absolutely. Which is why we call her this wonderful uh, shining light uh, in the Star Wars world, the steadfast character. I think that's a great way to look at it. Yeah. And, and again, in this discussion, as I say, case by case, yes, yes or no is not the way. I think you're great to point it out. It isn't logic versus uh, uh, emotion. It is how both work together. And going to that Asaj, this Asajj Ventress chapter, it's page 154 mm -hmm. where it begins. And just the opening, it, it's like 
it's like the music starts changing, right? Boom, boom, boom. Kitar uh, 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 proved himself eager to listen to anything Ventress had to say, which she understood. All of his pain and rage bumbled, uh, bubbled under the surface, searching for some type of release. And for him to then take that and to take it, uh, like you said, in mass to the rest of uh, Kato Nemodia there. It is, it's hard to watch, right? It, it's a snowball going down the hill, just building up uh, – uh, speed and mass and density and danger. It's it, it and you're sitting there just going, but no, 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 no. Listen to me, and and you can't. You're steamrolled by it, and it was it was scary to watch on on so many levels because it's to me it's about how how you react to this. Going back to even like the new normal or just it's Star Wars about choices. Uh, uh you know, uh, it, it, even on a smaller level, like hell, Star Wars celebration. You and I are planning out a little bit of a, a schedule. I got a time. I'm picking you up. And we're going to get some dinner. And I couldn't get reservations at the restaurant I want. And I'm pissed. <laughs> I'm pissed. Uh, don't let Ventress in. Don't let Ventress exploit yes. your fear and rage yes. about the dinner reservations. So I've got to make a better choice from that and find a way to keep to who I am. A uh, silly example, I know. But um, a small example, and much like your writing one, of like both work. It's how do you play both in concert with each other? Yeah, yeah. No, I love I love what you're pointing out because I think that is what's being pointed out in the book too of like emotion is powerful and there are moments in the book where uh, an appeal to caring makes a difference. And there mm-hmm. are moments in the book, uh, particularly Ventress, who knows exactly what she's doing, appealing to, to fear and anger work. Mm-hmm. And that, so a- appealing to emotion generally works better than appealing to logic. And then you got this other subset where appealing to fear and anger is easier it's easier to get people motivated based on fear and anger and that's what we see in real decisions you know all Mm -hmm. the time It, it, it is harder to get people to be like you have to vote you have to take action out of empathy versus you have to take action because uh, somebody's going to take your stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's easier to motivate people by fear. And that's what's going on in this book. It's obviously what's going on in the Clone Wars at all with the way that Palpatine's getting people to fight and specifically the way Asajj is getting Kitar to just rip everything apart. Yeah. The natural of emotion of a baby is to not share any toys with any other kids in that nursery. <laughs> that starts early. Exactly. I'd like to see Ventress yeah. in a baby room like, are you going to let that other child take your... <laughs> <laughs> your teddy? No, uh, I don't think so. That's your rattler. Shut uh, you want. So moving on from the big picture to Anakin himself, the sun dragon. Uh, what was interesting to you about the way Anakin's heart was presented in this story? Sorry, I'm laughing at that. It sounds like, you see my sun dragon tattoo? It's pretty cool, huh? Pretty cool. Uh, and I know this is a version of Anakin that does karate in the valley, right? <laughs> it does. It does. Um, Eric, I'll go with my emotion on this. You know what I loved about all this? It just, like I said earlier, I, think I, I tipped it off a little bit. Just a reminder that Anakin is good, and he's good underneath it all. And a reminder of what Padme sees. We just got a lot of that in the Queen's Hope novel. Love that. And it's a reminder of what was lost. And what uh, ends up happening to him. It so becomes uh, wonderful. It's a wonderful experience. It becomes sad almost at the end for me. Again, just going with my heart on this. No logic here, kids. Um, so I love that he ends up connecting and helping Mill because he cares more than rules or training and everything. He cares. Uh, and her final words of, you don't have to be the sun dragon all the time. Oh, my God. So great. So beautiful. Mm. Um, so that's what I love. I, I, I love because it, it's easy. Especially with the Clone Wars, especially when you're breaking down and doing analysis, right? It's, oh, here's an example where Anakin, uh, the foundations are cracking. He's a little too attached. He works with his emotion. That's a logical approach to the the heart of Anakin. And I like that this book had just this this, um, little, little insight into that kid 
on Tatooine. The guy who misses Kitster is, mm-hmm. is still good. The one who, who all those wonderful things, important things that Shmi said to him. It's all there. And to me, that again goes to the very end, the very end, throwing Palpatine down the shaft. That goodness won out. And it's good yeah. to see it here. Yeah, no, this is really a celebration of spending time with the 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 good uh, man who was uh, Luke's father, as mm-hmm. Obi-Wan says, that we get to see the, the power of that caring side of when he opens up to Mill and really has the like, you know, I don't talk to anybody about this stuff. I don't even really like, I haven't told Obi-Wan about the Sun Dragon myth. I don't like talking about it, but I want to share with you, Mill, to help you. Or that great moment then where Mill takes him even a, a step farther and is basically like, hey, you got to really remember the the Modian people are, are people and they're suffering. They don't just exist the way you've experienced them. It helps Anakin take a, a step past his natural reaction of anger of those. I just see them as the people who've tried to kill Padme. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she manages to get him to care. And the book really does, you know, do a good job of only kind of hinting at the fact that, yeah, that level of care can tip into something dangerous. Yeah. Um, I like that. The I, all, We'll talk about all the Obi-Wan being super aware of Padme stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But I like it when there's just that question of like, is it impacting his decision making that he leads with his heart? Is he calling Padme uh, when they need to get that information out uh, because she is the best solution? Or is it because he wanted to call Padme? <laughs> and or is it a twofer, you know? Yeah. And Obi-Wan's starting to ask those questions. It, it's it's great. I'm glad that we didn't see this as a, another moment where he flew off into rage because he's still yeah. feeling the pain of doing that uh, with the Tuskens. Uh, and it, in the book is really just saying, like, he's he can tilt either way and he's mostly tilting toward being this great person. And there's just these hints of what are going to throw him to the other side. Well, you're making me laugh because uh, remembering uh, I've had uh, one relationship, two two relationships that unfortunately had to start in like a little bit of secrecy, right? Because of work related mm-hmm. stuff. And I'd be like, oh yeah, I'll uh, I'll I'll drive her down to that shoot, and they'd be like, well, she doesn't. What? No, we don't need that. No, no, it's good. <laughs> it's good. I got it. It's it's good. Don't worry about it. We're not, we're not asking you. No, I got it. <laughs> it, it is very very funny. Um, <laughs> One of the other moments I liked with Anakin is uh, that great deep meditation scene at the end uh, with Mill that kind of brings everything together. But there's that passage in there where he uh, feels the awareness of Qui-Gon questioning him, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. doesn't listen. And his meditation is he becomes confident that he can be the sun dragon. He can protect everyone, find a way. That's just really great because obviously, uh, you know, Qui-Gon is, is out there. He shouted no during the Tuscan uh, Raider assault. He, he's trying to get to Anakin, but he's not fully able uh, to reach him in that idea that Anakin would feel like, maybe there's something there. Maybe yeah. it's asking me if I'm doing their things right. No, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm yeah. going to protect everything, everyone. And it's such a nice thought. It is a wonderful thought to protect people, to protect the people you care about. But the fact do you just get that hint of like, but I have to be that. I, I can't accept the idea of anything bad happening. I will be this on dragon period. Like that's, yeah. it was kind of note perfect for me of like, yep, that's, that's the exact moment where caring turns into something uh, uh, deadly. Absolutely. Well said and well written indeed. I, I absolutely love that. And we'll talk about Anakin and titles and things on uh, things, uh, burdens put on him. And I, and I think that's an important Important moment of no, no, no. I I will find a way, no matter what that way is. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, moving on in what is clearly going to be 
a longer episode uh, because there's a lot in this. Uh, just acknowledge it now and try to keep moving. Uh, I want to talk about Obi-Wan and emotion. Obi-Wan is presented as being very aware of Anakin and Padme's romance. Uh, this is, of course, uh, it's there in the Clone Wars animated series, but it's a different thing to go into his head and see how deeply aware he is. <laughs> uh, mm. But he doesn't find the right time to talk to uh, Anakin about it. He considers mentioning it to the council and doesn't do it. Uh, he compares it to his own relationship with uh, Satine and how he and Satine both found their way past it. Uh, and ultimately, he is affected by seeing how much Anakin's caring spirit helped Mill, how much Qui-Gon mm -hmm. believed mm -hmm. in Anakin, and he decides, you know what? I'm just going to trust the Chosen One. I'm just going to follow my heart and believe in Anakin. How do you feel about all that? Does it work for you that Obi-Wan was that aware and backed off on this issue? It definitely works for me at this point in the story. I think it kind of makes sense when you kind of sit down and, and ruminate on it there, right? I, I, I love where he ends up. Hey, I went through, through this. We're on equal ground now. Let him work through it, uh, which is what I think Anakin just wants, right? To be seen as, as someone who uh, is a real person who knows how to, who's learning, growing and, and wants to do it. If, if, if Obi-Wan had run and told the, the, the council, you little snitch, what are you doing here? Obi-Wan, <laughs> I would have been, I would have been mad at Obi-Wan and not confronted him. But um, unlike Obi-Wan, we know where it goes. So we have that advantage, right? Uh, or disadvantage because of the tragedy. So we know that Anakin still might need a father figure. Roll Palpatine is willing to play. You and I were touching mm -hmm. upon that earlier. So I wish Kenobi dealt with it more later. And then we have that Padres poster bedroom scene from the Clone Wars that we loved uh, talking about recently of just uh, both of them trying so hard to <laughs> have that kind of conversation. But uh, Kenobi fails a, a little bit here. But for this point in the story and him, the re it's kind of revelation, right? Kind of a revelation that he... Pretty much, yeah, no, uh, you know, Padman Anakin sitting in a tree. He knows. Yeah, I, I, it does work for me in the end. Yeah, no, I mean, I love that scene where he sees them. It's like, I got all these other things going on. I got all this stuff to worry about. What the actual, I can, <laughs> the, the, Padme is much too good a politician. She's into him. Oh, oh, yeah. oh yeah. no. Um, yeah, I, I think it really worked for me. Um uh, it's something I love that's been developed in the Clone Wars animated series that he is aware. And I've always kind of liked the Obi-Wan story that he's aware, but he hasn't quite uh, managed to have the conversation he needs to with Anakin. Yeah. And then there's maybe a part of Obi-Wan that's, that's convincing himself to turn the other cheek. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I like the way the novel dealt with that in uh, that it had all these great moments where Obi-Wan really worries about things, but he's a, so well trained as a Jedi to acknowledge it, think about it and let it go and not let it dominate him. Mm. Mm -hmm. And that he's able to kind of be, that's a real big concern, but I'm going to let it go. Like that's a tribute <laughs> yeah. to Obi-Wan. Right. I think that moment where he sees Anakin sit down and just take that time on the landing pad to meditate with Mel uh, Mill. Mm -hmm. And Obi-Wan has that moment of regret that he didn't try connecting with Anakin, you know, on the more emotional level that he kept it a little bit more to the logic in the, in the yeah. Jedi teachings of you're supposed to be like this, just do the thing. Cause then you'll be great. Um, so we've got this mix of uh, Obi-Wan is good at letting things go. He's got this little bit of regret. He wants to have this faith in Anakin and all of those things by themselves, I believe uh, are understandable choices from Obi-Wan, but I do think he failed. I think this is mm -hmm. how he failed. Anakin. Yeah. Yeah. Like maybe he could have, maybe he could have been more emotional and uh, in, in gentle with Anakin mm -hmm. in his training. That's a part of it too. But I think 
I think Obi-Wan kind of convinced himself that this would work out. And I think there's a part of him deep down that knows he should have tried to talk to Anakin about it and find out the full truth. Um, mm-hmm. And by the time he, that's what I love about that Clone Wars scene. Uh, it, by the time he sits down with them in Anakin's room of full of possessions and a pod racing poster. Yeah. <laughs> it's too little too late. Right. Mm-hmm. But if he had said like, uh, like there's that moment where like, this is the perfect time we're the, we're done with the mission. It's downtime. We're just in hyperspace. We're alone. It's quiet. This is the perfect time, but I'm gonna let it go. Um, he should have found time. That's, that's kind of my, my take and it might yeah. not have worked. Right. Might but not. if you'd gone in real gentle and just said like, I perceive this is going on. Why don't you tell me about it? What are you feeling? What do you need? You know, would Anakin have opened up to him and would yeah. that have helped Anakin negotiate a path forward instead of just becoming rigid of like the Jedi are forcing me to, to fake, uh, you know, have a fake secret marriage. Yeah. This is, this is great stuff. And I, and I love, always love hearing you talk about Kenobi, but especially of, of some of um, Kenobi's failings and what it means and, and, and how we can, uh, you know, we, we know where we're going. You you just got me really excited for the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, which I was already, you know, (laughs) out there excited. Um, I, I, um, I, I, because two two things come to mind. The, he's right to, to give this trust. He's right to have this faith. And when that is destroyed, that's only going to just kill Kenobi's soul even more. So we're going to see those pieces being picked up in the series. Uh, so I just kind of love that on that level. But yeah, this idea—it's also ties to the Jedi, right? It ties to what we were talking about earlier of of adjusting and and, and logic and emotion. All of it. The Jedi are like well, this is weird. We got a bunch of clones. We should probably dig into that. <laughs> but you know what? Logic dictates we're going we're, we're gonna to let that go and we're going to deal with what's present. And I think so. It's almost not even uh, Kenobi's fault, uh, at least in the beginning. It's what you do with that. And I would have loved him to have that conversation that isn't, Anakin, this is wrong. But like you said, Joseph, Anakin, what's going on? What do you need? What are you feeling? And how can we work uh, work with this as we go forward? Uh, versus just nope 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 and he couldn't find that balance you're right yeah no and it, it's really hard and certainly been in that in that situation where you like i think this thing's going on with my friend that's probably not great right <laughs> uh but i don't think they're gonna want to talk to me about it so la da 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 i've done it i have done it yeah you know and sometimes it is the right choice to just let people be and let them come to you if they need to but like this is such a different thing where obi-wan knows mm-hmm. he knows how passionate anakin is you know yeah 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 uh anyway we will have opportunity to discuss that again so we're gonna move on to this last big theme i want to discuss and that is the idea of de-escalation escalation neutrality uh there are you know a lot of stakes to this actual investigation into the bombing of uh Katanumodia, the the actual plot uh but one of the major ones is will the resolution of who bombed uh, this city? Will it escalate or de-escalate the war? And I think the characters are really divided between those who are desperate to de-escalate the conflict and those who are really embracing <laughs> exploding mm. into full-out war. Uh, the de-escalators obviously include Obi-Wan, Padme, uh, Rug, uh, Mill, uh, who is not anxious to run into combat um, and is wondering why the Jedi are. Uh, then the escalators, of course, you know, the Sith, Sidious and Dooku behind the scenes, Mm -hmm. uh, Asajj Ventress explicitly (laughs) manipulating Kitar, who becomes an escalator. I would argue there are moments where Anakin is portrayed as an escalator because 
<laughs> not yeah. not from a mall, is somebody who is into escalation uh, because he has those aggressive moments where he wants a short, fast, direct solution and that he is yeah. quick to use the, you know, it becomes a, a joke, uh, but also a, a, an important thematic uh, idea that he is quick to use aggressive negotiations, which is mm-hmm. often an escalation, not a, a resolution. Uh, the, yeah, yeah. My opinion on Anakin, I, I think that one's up for debate. Um, I wanted to share this one uh, particular quote to kind of frame this. Uh, when Obi Wan is is on the run, uh, he is thinking the most important thing remain getting an audience with the Trade Federation. And though they already lean toward not believing him, it marked another chance to plead for de-escalation. And given that Nimodian culture made trial public, recordings of his own argument would likely make it out across the galaxy, broadcasting a message to slow down and think rather than play into any hands that wanted rapid conflict. Everyone is so aware that's what's at stake. This is an opportunity to slow things down or to throw a a fuel onto the flames. So what is interesting to you about this idea about who de-escalates, who escalates, and how they do it, and all that stuff? I, I think it, it, it the dangers of uh, – I love that you said the Anakin one because I kind of go there at first of um, you might even think you're doing what is right, but that could potentially be wrong. It's not always the case, right? It's not always the case, but it could potentially be wrong. You could potentially be seeing yourself um, as, as doing uh, good when maybe you're, you're destroying more. But I love it for the overall picture of the Clone Wars uh, in that this era and analyzing all what's going on and then the frustration. Like I love with the kind of – there's the, the 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 reveal that oh no it's bullshit like just dun 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 <laughs> and it's like it's right there in front of you but uh if you're not slowing down you're not going to see it so I just love it for the state of state of the war for Palpatine uh, the, the Phantom Menace of it all pulling these strings it was uh, I don't want to say fun but it was uh, important information at the beginning that this was already a loss already a loss uh, for the Jedi for the for the galaxy for everyone. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love that this was just like a, yet another um, micro version of the Clone Wars, right? That this mm-hmm. is the story of the Clone Wars. You know, rewatching Attack of the Clones just reminded me yet again that the entire movie is hinged on the heroes. Uh, Padme in particular is trying to stop the Military Creation Act. There's explicit dialogue about. Hey, we won't be able to negotiate if we raise a fist toward them. We'll only get a fist back. That's why we don't want these clones. That's why Palpatine wins in that movie. And then in the animated Clone Wars series, scene after or episode after episode where Padme tries to find a way to negotiate, to de-escalate, mm. and Palpatine always finds a way uh, uh, to block her. So it's just, this is so much what the Clone Wars is about. It's also because Star Wars is a pulpy adventure thrill. It's also about like, yeah, I enjoy watching all the pew, pew, pew. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> While also saying, uh, yeah, that, but the story is, it shouldn't have happened. Um, and it's, it's fun. It's still fun to watch the action. That's a part of the great tension that makes Star Wars special. Yeah, uh, but, but partic- um, particularly in the prequel era, because of what the war, the why of this fight versus the why of, say, the rebellion, which is a different, you know, action must be taken, all that kind of stuff. Even then, you got hows and whys and saw versus mon and all that kind of stuff. But I think for particularly for the prequels, that's kind of the big lesson. You're all fighting mm-hmm. something uh, uh, that you can't win. And there are, there are, you know, heroic moments for, for the Jedi and for Padme. There are moments where mm-hmm. people uh, save someone or make someone's life better or de-escalate a, a particular thing that Palpatine's trying to get going. So it's it's not like there aren't moments that you can cheer for. Yeah. Uh, I just yeah. think that's so much what the story is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also like the, the uh, this great kind of uh, partnership between 
Obi-Wan and uh, uh, Rug. Uh, I like that they are aligned on we want to de-escalate, uh, but they have this slightly different philosophy, right? That Rug is a, a stone-cold realist, a bordering on pessimist. I was like, yeah. the galaxy is a nasty place and it works in a nasty way, but I know what I want logically is what's best for my people. And I see through this emotional BS. I know the danger of, of Kitar's anger and of my people's anger. So I'm going to help you de-escalate. And Obi-Wan's all on the de-escalate train, but then they have this slight disagreement where uh, Obi-Wan so re- rejects that pessimism. He's got that great quote mm-hmm. on page 191. Uh, a chance is not a guarantee. Nothing is absolute except for not taking that chance. Yeah. It's just such a, a great moment about hope, right? And, and I think that's powerful in the, in the escalation, de-escalation conflict because a lot of people uh, sometimes aren't open to the hope that things can be de-escalated. So like, mm. it's not going to work to talk. So let, come on, let's just get out the lightsabers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And somewhere Mill's looking at me going, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. The other thing I really like about this story is that uh, Kitar's anger is righteous and justified. The anger, uh, yes. totally understandable. The actions that Ventress gets him to take based on his anger, are out of control and awful. And it's that, that huge difference between the truth of your anger and what you choose to do with your anger. In, in this story, Kitar, you know, so angry at the Republic, is willing to plant bombs, kill his own people, to frame them to make sure that he gets vengeance. I think that's a great point. Uh, he was absolutely wronged. Uh, the Nemodians, absolutely wrong. Anakin, in, in his life at points, absolutely wronged. Ahsoka. Absolutely wrong. Uh, it's uh, that big Star Wars lesson of what you do. I think it's a, a great point. And why that scene with Ventress was like my favorite in a way of you get it. You get everything he's talking about. You get it. Yeah. Get it. Yeah. She presses on that nerve so successfully. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also this thread about neutrality that uh, we get to see Obi-Wan being really affected by uh, Duchess Satine's conviction in creating and leading the Council of Neutral Systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, he argued uh, that neutrality in the face of the separatist extremism was dangerous uh, and the, the Trade Federation taking the Republic side would be a form of de-escalation where uh, Satine was arguing uh, that basically uh, any involvement in the war uh is escalation. So how do you pull all that apart? Do you find yourself agreeing with Obi-Wan or Satine or both? Where do you go on <laughs> neutrality? Uh, hold on. Microwave is cooking another word enchilada here, Joseph. It's ready. <laughs> ding, ding. No, um, truly, truly the answer is both. The idea that inaction is is an action is, is something that's, uh, you know, they say that and I, I believe it's true. And it's so, so mm-hmm. it's easy to call Satine's neutrality that, but I don't think that's right. I just don't think that's right. And this is that mill quote. Go on. I really love what you said on page 177, talking about how you build peace. Why do we do this? Are we just swinging a lightsaber and lifting boxes or are we building peace, peace across the galaxy, peace in yourself? You ask me if I want to help people. Well, that's what I'm going to do with you, do with you. So I think Satine is one of those people that is working to build peace, that it isn't just a Mm. let's not fight. We're working to build something bigger and better. And Kenobi might see it as, yeah, no, I, I want, I want to have peace, but I want, I want to kind of defend peace from conflict, which might be more taking action now, make more immediately. I don't know, just kind of. I look, I also look at the Mandalore stuff and the Clone Wars and and the debates, the wonderful debates he and Satine have there. So I, I, I think that's why, to me, I, I look at at, at both because again, going to Clone Wars uh, episodes when Satine is pushed, she takes a different kind of action. But it's also action to build peace. That's why, going back to the mill conversation, I read that and I was like, 
I got you, Mel. I get you, and I understand. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree with your enchilada once again. I agree with both. I think Obi-Wan is is right in this uh, larger sense of, yeah, inaction is action. He's got his quote during the trial on page 238 where he says, neutrality in the face of extremism only gives the extremists more space to breathe. It must be extinguished before more lives are lost, and the only way to stop it is to de-escalate the war. And I think it's important that what Obi-Wan is arguing for isn't like, Trade Federation, join the Republic, give us your battle droids. Like, he's not asking them to fight more. He's saying, like, if something is, if as powerful of a player as the Trade Federation took our side, the war just wouldn't work. The Separatists don't have, you know, uh, the financial, (laughs) you know, assets um, to do this. You know, so the thing that he's arguing for in real world context is like, hey, uh, if you're, if you have any power in the world, stand up and say that something is wrong. Mm-hmm. Don't just go like, I damn, maybe both sides are, are okay. If one, if you feel one side is wrong, stand up and say it because that is the way that it will be stopped without violence. So I feel like Obi-Wan is making an argument for a, a, a non-violent solution mm-hmm. at this point. Um, yeah, but, but it's, it's not, but maybe that would that's never going to work in this situation because we know what's really going on in the clone wars i think it's powerful that satine is correct in the specific circumstances of the clone wars yeah. that fighting won't solve this cuz fighting is the point um yeah and really challenging the jedi on like i know you kind of see this as defense in in those uh debates between obi-wan and satine in the clone wars you know obi-wan is even making the argument that sometimes the best defense is a swift offense which is kind of the logic that the jedi are getting themselves around to and satine is just kind of you know calling bs on that and just saying no uh any fighting will cause more fighting yeah indeed yeah Mm. yeah uh, some great Satine quotes, but I want to keep moving here. So ultimately, the the Trade Federation remains neutral. Um, although we know from the Clone Wars animated series, there there are some bad actors within the Trade Federation. Uh, Palpatine uses the unresolved shadowy forces uh, that attacked uh, Nemodia and the tra- Trade Federation's ongoing neutrality to ramp up the Republic war effort. So, Ken, did our heroes win in this story? <laughs> I, I don't <laughs> think they did. They didn't, and then maybe they won't for a while. Uh, but more importantly, maybe they help build a path toward ultimate victory, I think, deep down. Um, yeah, I think deep down. I think it, it doesn't it, – I think it's kind of hurting my thoughts on this that we just did that Yoda arc in season mm-hmm. six where he's like, I learned something. We've lost. <laughs> but we'll, we'll win later. I think a yeah. lot of that's going on here. Yeah, absolutely. I think this book was so great because there are personal victories. There are personal yeah, yeah. Uh, epiphanies. Uh, but Sheev got what he wanted. Absolutely. He got escalation and mm-hmm. he got this, in particular, this feel good lie for the Republic that a quick offense will win the war. I love how much that's focused on of like, look, uh, nobody wants war, but if we kick their ass real fast, it'll everything <laughs> yeah. will be fine, which is obviously not what he wants or believes. Yeah. So yeah. sadly, score another for Sheev. Um, big Sheev day, yep. Yeah. Big Sheev day. Final thing I wanted to talk about in terms of uh, the the themes is this much bigger Star Wars uh, theme of empathy for uh, everyone. Uh, we talked about it for the perspective on the Ewoks, on the Gungans, uh, recently with um, uh, Book of Boba Fett and the Mandalorian uh, having true empathy and giving perspective uh, to the Tusken Raiders. And this book is, is really about that with uh, Nemodians. We've got a little bit of it in Queen's Hope. But throughout this book, 
We learn that Nemodians feel judged and looked down upon by the entire Republic, Republic that they have pride in the Trade Federation, but they don't like that people uh, see uh, the Federation and all Nemodians as just lumped together. Uh, Kitar gives his great speech about his parents' art and how much it was disrespected on uh, Coruscant, and then they were murdered. Uh, there's a lot about their great artwork that the rest of the galaxy doesn't know about or appreciate. So, how do you feel about this uh, element of the book? Were you happy that, you know, what could just be a joke line, the business on Cato Nemodia really dived into the culture and perspective of Cato Nemodia? It was a, uh, a surprising, pleasant surprise uh, of, of this book um, that uh, we got to not just check off a reference box, right? Not just mm-hmm. go, dang, hey, we made that. And clearly Mike Chen loves the prequels. And he took the time and the care and his love of Star Wars in that era and probably his own personal experiences to use the story and this medium, a novel, to expand the picture uh, and pull back the view. And I love that we get to do that a lot. And and I think you have to be careful to not undercut maybe George's overall beats and tropes, especially from the past. Uh, you want to you add to it. You want to maybe explain the other side of it. And George didn't, uh, in some cases, didn't. I think like I'm just talking about I'm thinking Tuscan Raiders a lot, but like mm-hmm. even the Trade Federation and the Clone Wars continues to build on what we know. And so therefore mm-hmm. we know because I, I started this book going, no, what are you talking about? They're all horrible. I've seen it. Did not watch the Clone <laughs> Wars. Have you not? Do you trust Lock Dot? Come on now. So I think it was valuable and it just makes it all bigger. And it's it's ever expanding Star Wars story that we're blessed to have now. And I think when it's done. And done right, it allows. I'm again going back to Tuscan Raiders of hey, yeah, some 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 tribes they 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 seek violence, they they murder. Um, that's their way of dealing with it. We're not even commenting on that. We're just saying that's their way. This is our way. I think that's valuable to just kind of not feeling as though as a Star Wars fan that it, that something that I loved or a movie I loved uh, has less value now. If that makes any sense. Oh yeah, no. It, it it's, you know I, mean? I think it's yeah. I think it's sometimes uh, the we've talked about the the updating of adventure serials, and you you carry some baggage with yeah. you yeah. when you do that, or or, or old westerns. Uh, it's that. It's also just like how much room is in the film. What's the film trying to right. do? And and you you have a bad guy, and then uh, sometimes you know these uh, unfortunate real world ideas get attached to the bad guys. And I really like that Star Wars is taking the time in the space yeah. with expanded storytelling. To go, let, let, let everybody's everybody's uh, perspective is nuanced and multifaceted, right? Yeah, yeah, and and, and yeah, and I, ho- I hope people know what I mean by that. Of, of just like you know, like Trade Federation going even to the Phantom Menace, it has very specific meaning for George. Like this corporation, a corporation is an army. You and I have talked about how you brought that up to me, and I was like, wow, that blows my mind. I never <laughs> thought about that in 2014. So it has great value. There are some other things around the decisions. Uh, around the Nemodians that are questionable, maybe don't stand up in terms of accents and voices and those kind of things. And so I think, I think this book kind of looks at all of that and, 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 and provides new light and expands it to where, yeah, now when I'm uh, even flying over Cato Nemodia in the order 66 sequence, I'm going to look at it differently. I'm going to look at mm-hmm. it differently. And every, every time I hear one of them um, speak in the Senate chamber or on the ship in, in Phantom Menace, I am going to look at it differently and it only adds and I don't feel uh, it, it tracks or, or says something back then was, uh, was not valid. Yeah, no, I think to me it is, it is about adding. And yeah, I mean, that was a big conversation in 99 of, um, the 
the the voices uh, of the Nemodians uh, leading to what what is what is going on with that? What is the intent of that? You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I yeah. think it is powerful. Uh, it, it was really powerful that Obi Wan's realization that you know the that this this trial that is being broadcast to the galaxy a part of it is uh, for the Nemodians to be seen and to be heard. In that uh, mm-hmm. when Minister I am on page twenty. 234 is uh, is saying uh that you see this is just a business of people agreed of people of deception perhaps not even a people mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. that was so powerful particularly uh given uh some of the connections to to real life uh mm-hmm. stereotypes that that you can make uh, if you see it that way yep. and uh it, it was really it was really really powerful um there, I was. Uh, there's a great article. I, I wanted to understand a little bit more about uh, Mike Chen in his background. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's. I found a great article called "Mike Chen Shows Why Family Matters." It's from, I believe, 2020. Uh, the article is written by uh, now fellow Star Wars author uh, Zoraida Cordova. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's just a really uh, great insight into him, and I just wanted to share it because I think I agree so much with what you're saying. Of this, t- this book to me wasn't. Uh, didn't read it all as a mission who somebody uh, like somebody's on a mission to <laughs> yeah. uh, show you why Star Wars is bad. This was really yes. a, Hey, Star Wars has this goal to have empathy for everyone. And sometimes it drops the ball and mm-hmm. let's address that when we can. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. 100%. Any other uh, big picture theme thoughts before we take a quick break? Uh, no, sir. Let's do, Let's go. All right. We will take a quick break and we will be back. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. 
For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And we are back to continue our discussion of Brotherhood, the new Star Wars book. We're going to talk about some moments that we particularly enjoyed. We talked a lot of, about the big picture stuff, but there's a lot of fun details, a lot of little meaningful details. So, Ken, uh, where did you go to for moments you particularly enjoyed? Uh, I, I, I love some stuff early. Uh, anything with Anakin being obsessed with pod racing and, and watching it and sneaking <laughs> feeds in was great. But also, uh, on page 31, he just kind of has that open, uh, open question here of uh, perhaps if Qui-Gon had never found him on Tatooine, he would be on the pod racer circuit now or found a life with some other dangerous recreation. Just kind of love, you know, it's like a canon thing. It's just kind of a headcanon thing more than anything of just uh, what would have been and, 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 and how he deals with that. Uh, there's some great descriptions of uh, Padme uh, just being relentless. They talk about her being uh, relentless. Reminds me of uh, Palpatine and the Jedi. They're relentless. Um, <laughs> love all that. And that makes sense for her. That's on page 33, page 45. There's a, uh, great, great conversations, uh, great, great stuff on Padme on um, bad faith and disinformation and how mm. it's used. And yeah, I can't help but think about the era that Mike Chen is writing that in, but hey, that's just me. Um, so I love a lot of that stuff there. Um, I mentioned the Jar Jar quote, but it's just that the, the finding yourself just takes time is also the purpose of that, that, that conversation around Jar Jar and representative beings with the, with the initiates. And I, I love that too. Yeah, yeah. Um, I loved Anakin specifically rewiring Jedi tech <laughs> mm-hmm, <laughs> to watch mm-hmm. pod races. It's so relatable. And then when he's talking later to to Obi-Wan about, well, maybe you can watch some pod races together. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, so great. Uh, I love the Padme stuff of them trying to have their date down in, in um, the underworld uh-huh. of Coruscant and yeah. how, how they're racing around and, and doing Anakin's kind of fun and Padme's trying to let go of politics. And I particularly like that. Uh, it, it's, it was such a great example of how she is caring and then proactive about the caring. It's never just, yes. I care. It's always, I care. And what should I do about it? So mm-hmm. finding uh, those uh, sandwiches, the, the Franca had, yeah. I think uh, a desert wrap sandwich and thinking that that's something that Anakin might love. Oh, yep. that was beautiful. Uh, no, it was great to see it. A uh, great whole sequence, and it reminded me of one of my uh, favorite Paul McCartney songs, "Backseat of My Car." But hey, it was a good, it was a good, good, uh, and uh, just a look at them uh, in happier times. And Queen's Hope does that so well; it starts that out. But I love that because we know things go bad for these crazy kids real fast, 
mm-hmm. there's also a lot to discuss and talk about of just Anakin was he good for her? Did she make the right decision? She allowed herself to make decisions. She made the choice, and da, 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 da. and we can get lost in the logic of that. There, going back to a big thing, just to see the heart on display here between two, these two. I really love that. Yeah, that was really, really great and really, really beautiful. Um, another detail that I liked is uh, when when Rug first shows Obi Wan the data that Separatist bombs were were used, as well as Republic, and uh, Obi Wan realizes kind of how complex that things are, and he thinks back to his chat with Dooku, and he he's trying to reach in the Force, but it is clouded. He's really feeling that. And he's so close, and he, he has that thought, like, but all this cloud can't be coming from one Sith Lord, yeah. uh, which is both right and wrong in, in my headcanon, right? It's not that, like, yeah, it's not all this is just emanating from uh, a Sith Lord, you know, just sitting there oozing evil. It's from Palpatine actively convincing people to keep fighting and, yeah. and you know, raise this this chaos. So it, that was really, really great uh, moment to kind of go deeper on that, the dark side clouds, everything, and to have Obi-Wan uh, wrestle with that. Yeah, love that. What is it more for you? Uh, uh, there's this moment between Obi-Wan and, and Rug early on, page 153. Um, and she's, you know, again, pessimistic, like you said, uh, all that kind of stuff. But just uh, her line, this galaxy tries to break you, and Kenobi responding, we can never let it do that. We must have hope. Easier said than done. We know. We know that. Mm-hmm. But just to have, it's just a Star Wars message. It's a Kenobi message. We're about to see that explored in a lot of ways because he is broken. And how can you look up? And I just love seeing that on display. Yeah, no, that one's, that's really powerful. Um, I also wanted to be sure to highlight uh, kind of the big moment of action. There are a couple moments, but that the fight with Asajj, like there, there was such mm-hmm. great tension building up of like, yeah, Asajj is going to definitely, uh, uh, you know, come to blows. There's so much in there of like yeah. everybody being like, what's the deal with her? Why is she always wearing a cloak? <laughs> <laughs> uh, why don't you call Dooku master? Which is all just really fun, but it, it builds up that like, who's she going to cross blades with? Is it mm. Anakin, Obi-Wan, both? Is she going to scar Anakin, you know? Yeah. All that stuff. And then the fight we get was uh, uh, such a great fight where it's not just a fight for fun, but that everything that's going on is is uh, meaningful to the characters. Like, it, yeah. total great Asajj stuff of, you know, a dark tunnel leaping and attacking from all angles. But that kind of almost sad moment where Ventress is kind of taking Mill for herself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and it's addressing Anakin's, you know, fear of attachment uh, or fear of failing. Someone like Mill is palpable. Yeah. Uh, and, and then as a big Obi-Wan fan, I love that the resolution is Obi-Wan stepping in with a thoughtful but surprising targeted blow to Ventress's ship. It's not the obvious thing of, we'll jump toward Ventress and fight with lightsabers. Like, ah, I see this whole picture and I know how to, this isolated specific thing to do to resolve it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely love that. Yeah. Uh, how about for you? Any more moments? Uh, there's some little beats later on. Um... Where is it here? I, I just, I wrote that uh, page 212 and then page 284 for those keeping score at home. Go flip to them now. Um, this idea on page 212 that Anakin t- can't take questioning of the Republic and can't change, take the, the, any kind of challenge, right? Which it's not, and I suffer sometimes. We all suffer of like, uh, you know, oppo- opposing views. The, the danger is it will, might, might knock you off your, 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 your pedestal, your belief. And, and so we might naturally have a, you know, it's a tendency to raise up a shield against that, but that's big for Anakin, big for stuff going on with later on with him and Padme. And just, uh, he is loyal. Unless you betray him, then he'll cut you. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and there's some pretty, not as direct as that, but pretty close to yeah. uh, the, his, his loyalty. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, final one for me. I, I love that Obi Wan uh, when he gets the when they get the information to Padme, and Obi Wan's just like, just release it to the public and let mm. them decide. Which is like, yes, yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, pour light on it. Uh, but Padme insists that it goes uh, to Palpatine, and, and everybody around Obi Wan agrees, and it really attaches to Obi Wan's general sort of grumpiness about politics that he he expresses in Attack of the Clones. Uh, but I like how it kind of plays out that, of, of course, Palpatine manipulates the, the information the way he wants. Yeah. Uh, but then when Obi-Wan sees on the hollow news that like his actual speech has been manipulated for mm-hmm. propaganda, is that's a real justice for Obi-Wan Ken- yeah. Kenobi moment. And like, obviously, he's spending a lot of time in a cave thinking about how he failed uh, Anakin. But he's got to also be like, I was bleeping right. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> about Palpatine and I went along with it. Yeah. 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 Mhm. Uh any other moments for you? Uh that is you no know, ton of them uh, there uh, uh, mentioned um the, the Ventress twisting up uh, Kitar's fear just uh adding all the pain in there just still still uh, uh, my favorite and just it, it, in the sense of uh god it's so real and it's so so scary. Uh the, we're going to talk more about the Dexter scene so I just I'll just toss it up here that of course I mean gosh it just was the best and everything. I yeah, it was, it was really great. Really accurate. The cakes. <laughs> yes. Yes. The cakes. Uh, awesome. Well, we're going to move on then to uh, where a lot of other favorite beats I'm, uh, for us, I'm sure, are located. All of the canon and lore stuff. Uh, look, there's often a lot of fun little nods, um, some deeper stuff. But uh, I believe this author, Mike Chen, was on a mission. <laughs> yes. It almost felt like just in case uh, I never write another Star Wars novel. Uh, I have no idea that's if that's how I was feeling. I'm just uh, joking. Uh, but there's there was so much from little beats uh, and jokes and nods to some bigger stuff. So I uh, broke out some of the bigger stuff and then we'll we'll race through some of the other stuff. Um, Anakin reflects about being the chosen one on page 120. Uh, people say it in both awe and jest. Uh, Qui-Gon saw it as a path that Anakin could follow. Mm-hmm. Uh, but most people treated it like a title in a sports championship, uh, Anakin thinks. What are your thoughts on Anakin's feelings about being the chosen one? Uh, I, I have a lot, so uh, here we go. Um, and also, let's just say this, too. I think Mike Chen said he had like 75 deep cuts or something, and our good buddy Alex only found 60. That's how good Mike was at uh, <laughs> digging, hiding uh, the stuff and putting it in here. Um, so I love this. I, I think this flows uh, just wonderfully into the great conversation around destiny and choice that we always have around here and sometimes the different view on it. The destiny is not uh, the be-all, end-all of it. It's a path. Uh, so I love that look at it from Qui-Gon's point of view. I also think... I'm not going to, I wouldn't say put words into Mike Chen's mouth or, or, or uh, words on his page. I truly think it reflects on different generations of fandom too. Uh, mm. Even going to the lightsaber discussion with Mill, uh, cool weapon, uh, dangerous, uh, potentially dangerous weapon. Um, this idea of it, it's, it's Anakin, man. He's the chosen one and he's, yeah, he champion sports title, uh, you know, big championship uh, versus um, the more, the deeper, uh, purpose behind it, the burden behind it, and um, and, and and all that. So I'll say this: it, it, I want to look more of it at, at the sports championship conversation. Look more of that at, at that aspect. 
uh, and what that could mean to Anakin. And this idea of winning the championship, if, if processed correctly, reflects a, just kind of the long, hard journey of, of skill, yes, but discipline, training, teamwork, faith in your teamwork, uh, faith in your team, uh, trust, trust in yourself, and often an immense short-term sacrifice for long-term game, game and, and, and self-discovery. And that's why I love sports. But often you look at the end result in the championship and, and it's a chest pumping moment, chest pounding moment. And yeah, I'm the champion. And you might be able to forget that or people around you might be able, might not focus on your journey there. They only focus on the result. And so Anakin getting handed this championship in theory, it, it, it doesn't just open the door to entitlement and privilege, which is possible and a misunderstanding of the title. I think there are moments in this book where he might just know being handed all of this as a cheat in a way. He might feel guilty. He might feel shame. I I definitely sees it as an extra burden because he knows that others are going through so much just to make the team. And everyone's like, yeah, you're the chosen one. You're going to save us or something. I don't know. I didn't read the book. Um, And and I just, I don't know. It just, it made sense for me for Anakin to be mocked in some corridors, overly praised in others. And mm-hmm. no one actually dealing with what it might be, which is this potential and this path forward that is just full of dangerous obstacles. Think of it. I, yeah, what's his, his thought a lot of times in the prequel movies? I know I can be a better Jedi. I'm not, I'm not doing enough. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. I'm the chosen one. I have to justify this. And that's only going to force cracks to, to just start to appear faster. Yeah, no, I really love your, your insight on, uh, on the idea of, of a sports championship, that that can be something that, much like with Anakin's son, Dragon Heart, right? That if you are looking at it from one perspective, it's wonderful, right? Of like, mm-hmm. I set a challenge for myself. I work together with others. I make sacrifices for the greater good to reach this goal that we've all agreed to pursue, right? Yeah, yeah. But then also, and that's almost like the the internal pursuit of it, right? Yep. But Externally, sometimes the way some people see sports or any competition is it can bring out uh, rigidity and anger, right? Because it's just mm-hmm. a zero sum, winner, loser. You know, it's an easy way to quickly other someone, right? Yeah. Like, and I'm, I'm not criticizing anybody who watches or enjoys sports. I think uh, I think they're great, um, like everything, issues and all that. But that, how, that, that importance of how do you approach them? And yeah the way Anakin is thinking about this is it almost feels like he's being dismissive about that, how people are treating it as a sports championship. Like, mm-hmm. like that, like uh, almost like they are, they aren't interacting with him as a person right. or as an individual. Uh, they're just treating him uh, like he's some golden God who's better because they have a ring, yeah. you know? Yeah. And that he's not feeling seen or respected. Yeah, I, I, absolutely, and, and how people how people react to things. It's the big choice in all of it, right? It's a big choice in all of it. I think you're absolutely right on on, on comments on competition and, and where it spins off and can be corrosive, uh, even in the movie space where everything was turned into a competition. <laughs> and I've, unfortunately, was on a, a lot of YouTube channels that that helped that idea. It can be corrosive, and how people react to it. It's almost it's almost the the overall picture of George, right? It, it, uh, hey, the the order might be the problem, but maybe you should just focus on the tenets of of the order. And that's the same thing going on there. But it says so I, I think you're right. Anakin's it, it's a, it's a burden in so many different ways. Uh, he's not allowed to be himself. Yeah, yeah. And I, if I recall, I want to reread that Obi-Wan and Anakin comic book. There's some stuff in there about his his training and how yeah. it was hard for him as 
uh, youngling because everybody saw him kind of uh, as a side and from everybody else and Mm -hmm. were either in awe of him or in fear of him and turned to mocking and all that stuff. Uh, I really love it being mentioned. I really love directly hearing how Anakin just feels kind of burdened by it in the back of his mind. He's like, well, Qui-Gon thought about it this way. It just could Mm -hmm. be, you know, this is my path. Everybody has a path and this is mine for some reason and maybe it'll lead somewhere. Let's let's see where it goes. But that's pretty passive, right? Um, and I think for me, th- my headcanon is it seems like both Obi-Wan and Anakin are pretty passive about it of like, let's not worry about it. Let's just um, let's just train you. Obi-Wan has this extra pressure of like, I really got to get this right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because he's the chosen one. And Anakin, it seems to be adding even more difficulty to him fitting in and in finding the connection and love and belonging that he needs. And it just, it almost feels to me like they, that's yet another thing they should have tried to bring into the light. Right. Yeah. That they should, if this feels like a a, a burden, if this feels like a wound, if this feels like it's only value is it's making you arrogant. Whoa. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Let's talk about it. What do we, what do we think it means? What do you feel about it? Do you want to make any proactive choices based on it? Do you want to do anything different? based on it you go let's go read the prophecy together anakin what do you think what you know yeah. mm-hmm. that that's what i kind of love about it that you just kind of we see it as this brief sort of like annoyance like it's a, mm-hmm. a weird mm-hmm. nickname that he has to live with <laughs> yeah yeah always on the door of his of his room <laughs> the yeah chosen yeah one. yeah i really loved it really yeah. loved it uh you know and, and it does pop up other places but this was a, a a nice good juicy one any other thoughts on that one no, you know, hopefully Anakin uh, works it out. I hope it hope it f- f- works out for him. Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I'm sure he has lots of thoughts about it uh, now. Uh, maybe he'll bring it up in the Kenobi television show. Uh, the book goes hard on how irked Mace is by Anakin's presence in existence. It goes hard. How did you feel about that? I didn't even pull out all the examples because there were so many. How did you feel about that? I oddly found it fun, but I've mentioned this before. I find myself getting more and more defensive of Mace. I I think it's, you know, I also think it's valuable to learn from the mistakes of the characters you love. And I think Mace makes a lot of mistakes along the way. And it represents maybe some some of the... uh, bad tendencies of, of the Jedi order, but I love Mace. I think a, lo- a lot of people love Mace it probably let's be honest. Cause we love Samuel L. Jackson so much too. Um, so I, I think I find myself getting a little defensive, little defensive. I just want to sit them down. Maybe I can, maybe I can uh, negotiate. Maybe me and Kenobi can sit them down at a bar. Let's go, let's go have a meal. Let's have a six layer cake and let's work this out. <laughs> work this out. Cause it was, it was every time almost again, it, which isn't bad. It's, I'm not saying it's a criticism. I just, it's just every time. Mace is upset. <laughs> oh, this guy. Which I understand. I understand. I work. I work in the YouTube space. You don't think I roll my eyes once a week every time I'm in a shoot or something like that? Of course, I get you, Mace. But uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. No, I think it is an interesting uh, facet of the the whole story of this era. I think it has a, a great element of meta humor because it is kind of yes. funny just how how grumbly and and irked and and firm Mace is. And that's, you know, in the prequel movies, but also going to like that great episode of Clone Wars where Mace and Anakin get captured together and Mace compliments R2, but doesn't even compliment Anakin. (laughs) Uh, So I I like it from the perspective that Mace is right to be concerned about Anakin. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but he doesn't handle it well, you know, and that's makes her an interesting and nuanced character. And there is like, there is interpersonal comedy to it of like Macy and Anakin is like, you're a living, breathing person and this powerful, important Jedi. But I also always see you as, you know, uh, the mistake I got voted down on. (laughs) Yes. And uh, it doesn't sound fun from Anakin's perspective to be seen by somebody else as a a, a vote, uh, you know, a, a mistake they got voted down on. Well, even go to the, the previous conversation, you know, Mace and that title, the chosen one. And people are like, yeah, he's a chosen one. And Mace is like, oh, just kind of grumbling, looking out the window. Did we? Is that what we determined? Is that what we determined? I wouldn't even yeah. let him in here. <laughs> yeah. And it tracks with the, you know, Revenge of the Sith and all that. Yeah. So, yeah it, it, was, it was very entertaining. Uh, so we have even more Anakin lore. Uh, I'm just going to bundle this all up and see where we want to go. Uh, Anakin gives Padme his Padawan braid frozen in carbonite as a, a necklace. Uh, we see the scene where Anakin tells pa- Palpatine about murdering uh, the Tusken Raiders. Uh, Anakin thinks about Kitster and how Kitster's friendship gave him solace in bad times, and he hopes Kitster got off Tatooine. Oh, uh, Anakin complains about his new armor uh, being bulky. Very sad. Uh, the <laughs> book discusses how Anakin ascended quickly past the trials because of the urgency of the war, uh, but there isn't a particular description of his trials. Uh, there isn't anything with his new lightsaber or his scar, all stuff that I was curious if this book uh, would delve into because of where it is in the timeline. Uh, so I wanted to acknowledge the canon that's there and the canon that isn't there. So out of all that Anakin lore, and I'm sure there's even more, what grabbed you? Well, actually, quite frankly, the stuff that isn't there, I, I kind of thought we'd get a little bit more, maybe even explanation of, of uh, you know, this field promotion of, cool, you got the stripes, you're, you're up. But so that's just exciting that we can uh, get it some other time. Uh, I think that's great. I love, um, I, I, I do think it's pretty big that we see Anakin and Palpatine talking about the Tuscan Raider murder. That's, that's a, that's a great little like pulling out of, of Revenge of the Sith, a little tiny line, even something that it might've been, I remember that line, that whole that conversation kind of being mocked a little bit, a little bit, oh, everything, everything about the prequel. I loved mocked. it, man. Well, but no, I love it too. But like, remember, remember it was just kind of, it was one of those things. I remember having conversations with friends of like, Oh, well, Remember when you told me about the sand people? Ooh, and people just, some people didn't like that. And, but I always liked it and I liked the reasoning behind it. And I'd actually see it was, was pretty big. That's pretty big. Yeah. I really liked uh, What I liked about seeing it is seeing exactly how Palpatine sort of, uh, uh, pushed him into it. Right. Yeah. And how, and Palpatine couldn't, you know, come out, come right out and say like, uh, yes, <laughs> lashing out in anger is great. And then, you know, only hypocrites tell you not to constantly be angry. Like he can't go to the full truth. Uh, he can't go a full Sidious. So how does yeah. he sort of gently say like, well, it's kind of, it's natural, you know, I, I thought it was well, well done. Um, yep. I, the other thing that really grabbed me is the Kitster thing. Uh, mm-hmm. because I, I like things that like, I understand why, you know, as a fandom, we've made it a kind of a, he, he's a fun character to joke around about, you know, yeah. uh, in, in the way, you know, Phantom Menace is shot with kind of a, a sense of joy and they, they do feel like, you know, kids on a sitcom, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it, it feels like the kind of conversations you hear where kids are, you know, mean to each other, nice to each other on the Brady Bunch. Like I get it. it, it that's the way it's shot. And I think it was shot that way on purpose. So I love taking this thing that can sometimes be a joke in fandom discussion and making it real. Anakin's life yeah. was miserable. And of course he'd think fondly about his friend and hope he got away. And I really like taking a thing that we sometimes joke about and making it real. 
Hundred percent agree with that. No, I, I absolutely think so. Yeah, you're right. I, I think um, Kitster becomes this beloved character. I think the Star Wars show, Carboni and Andy Gutierrez, kind of mentioned Kitster so much. Even the actor coming back, so it just becomes this shared love that again we all thought we were maybe alone. But then to actually, it, it, it's it's not just a reference; it's the why behind it, like we said earlier, and that's why I think it uh, it, it stood out. Yeah. Yeah. And then for me, what isn't there, um, the trials, the new lightsaber, the scar, uh, I was really happy because I don't, I don't want these books to sort of gobble up everything, you know, yes, and, yes. and leave room for other storytelling, other places, maybe other books, who know, maybe animated, who knows, who knows, yeah. uh, but, but leave, uh, you know, some of the interesting stories to be told, uh, uh other places as well. Totally. Now, we'll move on to Obi-Lore, Obi-Wan lore. Uh, we learn that Obi-Wan takes Coleman Trabor's seat on the council. I, I think that's probably mentioned other places, but it was yeah. very clear here. <laughs> uh, pour one out for uh, Coleman Trabor and <laughs> uh, his uh, really quick death. Uh, that Obi-Wan takes his uh, seat on the council first temporarily as they're rotating through Jedi and then permanently based on the way he handled the business on Katanumodia. Uh We learn that Obi-Wan met Dex in the Unknown Regions when he was very young. Uh, we learn that Satine sometimes uh, called him Ben. I, I think that's other places as well. Um, did not have time to do the deep dive on that, uh, but it was loud and clear in this book. What? Uh, let's break this into two things. Uh, Dex and everything else. So first, uh, <laughs> tell me uh, tell me your, your Dexter Jetster thoughts. I, it, it was... Uh... You know, I, I want to also make sure we give credit to E.K. Johnson for bringing in Dex uh, just slightly before uh, this book here. But this was, uh, you could tell someone who just really loves that scene. And you and I have that nearly two-hour episode. Y'all check it out for Center Scene by Scene. This is, again, a scene that was absolutely not popular for a very long time. <laughs> Still not mm-hmm. popular in not a lot of circles. And I think it was so unpopular, I started to like it and then feel protective about it. And then maybe finally understand it. And then finally appreciate it for what it was. And it's so key. And so to have um, the word got out before, and I think Mike Chen was doing some tweets, you know, putting it out there. Mm -hmm. People were tweeting us. And so I I had a lot of built up for this. And then it's just, it just is, it's pitch perfect. Their relationship, their history, um, what he brings to, to Kenobi, what Kenobi can learn from him. Uh, the cultures, learning about cultures, everything they, they experienced, knowledge versus wisdom. It just, like you said earlier, just kind of pulls everything forward and makes it bigger and bolder. And I, I hope, I hope if someone reads this book and loves it, but maybe doesn't love Attack of the Clones, could maybe go back to the deck scene and revisit, revisit it with a little bit of a different light. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's not the case. But for some, for want, wanting this, knowing was it was coming, that's hard to meet meet both of those expectations, right? <laughs> I want this. We're going to get it. And then it really worked. So hats off to Mike Chen and Dex. Yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed it. I have always loved that scene. It was uh, one of the things that, uh, you know, coming out of Tech Clones, almost everyone I, I knew uh, had uh, maybe one thing they liked and lots of things they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I talked about that scene a lot, uh, but I have always loved it. Uh, and I think that this uh, scene in the book uh, – you know, celebrates it. It's, it's the, mm-hmm. uh, I love that scene of, in Attack of the Clones for the tip of the iceberg storytelling of what it means to Obi-Wan uh, and then going deeper of what does it mean to the galaxy and to the Jedi uh, that, you know, a character like Dex is where Obi-Wan needs to get, you know, actual wisdom as yeah. opposed to knowledge and, and all that stuff we talk about for, for two hours uh, on that yeah. other episode. Yeah. Um, 
But one of the things that I've always loved about it is that, yep, uh, Dex is a resource for a different kind of perspective. Obi-Wan is somebody who values different perspectives and it, it dives deep on that. They're, they're kind of barbing each other uh, like old friends. All the cake sharing is all like fun. But the heart of it is Obi-Wan being like, I really got to understand something from a different perspective. Help me, help me reframe this, mm-hmm. um, Dex. And, and he does, right? Yeah. Uh, and then the other thing I've always liked about it in terms of tip of the iceberg storytelling is it tells us that a lot about who Obi-Wan is a person is like, he's not, he's not Anakin. He's not sneaking off <laughs> yeah. with secret wives and uh, hijacking feeds for pod races. He's doesn't <laughs> crave adventure and excitement. He's curious. And so how would he spend his time uh, hanging out at interesting places, talking to interesting people and developing relationships? And that's what that scene is always intrigued me and i love the extra little details we got about like that obi-wan took anakin there when he was a padawan and mm-hmm. you know that seemed like hey we really need to talk maybe maybe we should uh book a table at dex's and anakin's like we haven't been there in a while yeah okay yeah <laughs> that's that detail the scene with dex is great but that right there that's mm-hmm. why I, I love dex in that scene love it absolutely yeah. The other thing for me is, even though I don't want all of the lore that could happen around this time period to be in the one story, I did really love that one of those big questions is exactly when and how Obi-Wan's ascension to the council works. Because uh, we joined the Clone Wars animated series and, you know, one of the first times we see the council, he's just there. Yeah. You know? Um, so I really liked that and I thought it really worked and I, it, it was a, a great justice for Obi-Wan. And how he acquitted himself on Cater Nimodia and was rewarded for it. I was happy. Yeah, that adds a lot to that, uh, you know, that little uh, throwaway line of uh, that business on Cater Nimodia. Literally, the whole novel does that, I know. But, like, it just, it was also the one that got him promoted full time. Yeah, exactly. To the rarefied air of the council, as I believe (laughs) he describes it at one point. Uh, And then, you know, I wrote down a lot of the appearance and nods. I clearly, uh, I think Mike Chen is doing a thread today, I saw, um, sharing (laughs) a lot of them. Want to make sure that we, we prioritize appreciating the book for the story and the ideas and uh but indulge in some of the fun of uh treating it as a treasure hunt (laughs) uh but if you want absolute uh complete obviously you can check out uh author mike chen's feed obviously our our friend alex uh and molly at uh, stars explained do a a great job so i just uh listed a few ken and we can decide if we want to discuss any of these uh, so we have Anakin talking with Jaro Tapel and uh, Cal Kestis briefly, which is great. Yeah. Um, then we have the clear uh, working together with E.K. Johnston on the novel Queen's Hope. Uh, the mission in that book to the planet Herbecker Minor is mentioned. Uh, the, the clone named Sister is back. Mm-hmm. Uh, on page 74, we have an appearance of a winking Quinlan Voss. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Mace Windu's Shatterpoint philosophy, which there's the whole novel uh, from Legends that I have and want to find time to read, it is mocked by Palpatine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, bigger one on, on uh, page 180 and uh, in that general area, Obi-Wan uses force speed, a uh, controversial move from Phantom Menace that we talk about uh, often. Uh, the adventure on the planet Lenara is mentioned, which is a reference to the upcoming Kenobi book when he's a Padawan. Right. There's a reference to the uh, 2D uh, Clone Wars uh, mini-sode with Mace on Dantooine. That was cool. Uh, of course, the main thing of Anakin saying he's going to count the times he saved Obi-Wan and Obi-Wan uh, beginning the argument that this uh, business doesn't count. Uh, Obi-Wan reflects on the Master and Apprentice story uh, the, of him disobeying Qui-Gon. 
there's a moment where Obi-Wan tells R2 just because he doesn't like flying doesn't mean he's not capable of it, yep. which is really fun because we just talked about that on one <laughs> of our questions of the Force episode. <laughs> and Obi-Wan agreed with our answer, which yeah. was nice. Yeah. Uh, the doctor at the end that Mill ends up uh, working with to provide specialized medical and spiritual assistance for war-wounded Jedi is Rig Nima, who is that doctor who only, to my knowledge, has appeared in that season six uh, Clone Wars arc with Yoda that we just recently talked about. Yeah. So uh, those are just a handful. I stopped writing some down because like, <laughs> I'm never going to finish this book. Uh, so yeah. out of all of that, is there anything that you wanted to discuss? Uh, first of all, I was so smart. We having just done the uh, the Yoda arc coverage when Rig uh, Nima shows up. I, I was so smart. I knew who that was. And so smart. I would not have known that uh, two weeks ago. I would have forgotten that wonderful character. Uh, yeah, no, uh, again, hats off to Mike Chubb because uh, one of the ones that uh, Alex pointed out in his video I was watching, uh, the the race that Anakin is, is, is watching is a reference to one of the maps on Pod Racer, like episode mm. one Pod Racer. Like, good job, you, sir. Like, that corkboard in your writing office must have just <laughs> oodles of reverence. So good job, Mike. Um, um, I think, uh, I think the one I, I think I, I kind of love uh, the most is the uh, just on a, on a silly level is, is kind of the counting and that kind of pays off just even the kind of the whole premise of, Hey, we're going to go see that business. But I love the Obi-Wan reflected on, on, on Qui-Gon and a disobeying him, the master and apprentice story. I love those parts of that novel uh, more than uh, anything else in that novel, just uh, him and Qui-Gon and their relationship. And we love good Qui-Gon talk around here. So to have, uh, have that in mm. Kenobi's heart was, was a good reference, man. Good stuff. Good use of it. Yeah. Qui-Gon was everywhere. I, I think for me, I really liked the Queen's Hope stuff because having just read mm -hmm. that and realizing mm -hmm. these are so close together, that's one of those moments where it's all connected in a fun way where I'm reading this feeling like, but emotionally Anakin just went through all of this. And yeah. it's so nice to have that covered over and say, like, if you're feeling that way because you just read Queen's Hope, that that's the same Anakin, you know, yeah. who just went through all that. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. And same Padme, for that matter. Um, the other thing I, I liked is I, I like some of the the four speed stuff. Um, it, it was very much the uh, the headcanon discussions that I've had with other fans. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, it wasn't too cheeky. So I enjoyed that very much. Yeah. Any other canon stuff that you wanted to comment on? Trying to think if I wrote any down, I did not. Uh, and there, there's a, a a ton of them. Again, truly, hats off, hats off. A lot of good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Was there anything then that you questioned, wrestled with, uh, didn't like, weren't sure about? I, I think I addressed the mill stuff up up top, and and you know, it it I it you know it got me at first. I was a little upset at this character, um, uh, but I worked through it. Uh, but yeah, no, I I I particularly enjoyed the um, the use of the point of view chapters. I thought that was hmm. really effective for this story because you're looking at the galaxy, this issue, galaxy wide, but you're, you're you're seeing it from different perspectives, literally, which you can do in other styles of writing. But it just it helped my frame of mind every time you turn the page. You go, okay, we got Obi Wan's thoughts, we got Rook's thoughts. I think that that helped um, help move the story along for me uh, in, in a nice way. Yeah, and, and the fact that uh, I, I'm curious how much it is an author choice and how much it's a getting to be a kind of an editorial house style that mm. having the short, punchy chapters. So you e even if there isn't a lot of action happening in the book, it gives yes. you that page turner quality of like, okay, I just had this kind of exciting moment with Rug, and maybe there's a cliffhanger, maybe there isn't, but I really want to now. Oh, Anakin's next. What's he thinking about? What he? Yeah. What's he doing? Yeah. Yeah. Really want to make makes you want to keep turning the pages. And I read most of this in, in a sitting, and it was really engaging. Yeah, good all throughout. Yeah. 
I think the only thing for me uh, there, uh, th- some of the, the, you know, the deep cannon, uh, the pod race, the shatter point, like that stuff's just fun. It's there. If you, or if you happen to recognize Rignema, great. You know, it's, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's fun. Uh, there is stuff that for me, like um, there isn't anything, uh, the way it's written is great. Like I'll, I'll give two examples. Um, mm-hmm. Establishing that Anakin and Padme and kind of poke fun at Obi-Wan's haircut. And then the, the kind of legit canon, when did he cut his hair? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Anakin saying like, hey, if we're going to be on the halls together, cut your hair. And mm-hmm. it adds to that kind of really nice scene of them together. You know, Anakin, you know, putting on the armor, Obi-Wan uh, running his hand through his new new hair and really getting them set up for where we know they are. Yeah. That stuff is all great. Uh, there's also on uh, around page 208, there's a decent amount of sand stuff, but there's also like on page 208, Anakin reflects like, how his, um, he still agreed with his emotions that he said on Naboo and Attack of Clones, but admits his words were awkward. So the reason I highlight these is they absolutely work in the novel. They work for the characters. Sometimes when writers are writing about uh, moments in things that are so questioned by fandom, mm. it's not that the writing is bad. It just knocks me out of the fantasy. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's this very fine line because sometimes it doesn't. Like I loved all the speed force, y- yeah. use it, uh, force speed, <laughs> uh, force speed stuff, uh, and that's been debated, and that didn't bug me. But there was something about the haircut and the Anakin kind of like admitting that his words were awkward. Feel like that makes sense for Anakin, but when I'm reading it, my mind disconnects from Anakin and from space fantasy, and it goes to the debate about the fan debate about whether those scenes were well written and directed. Mm, yeah absolutely and there's certain there's i really wrestle with that because i love all the references and sometimes they're absolutely like oh great i'm glad this is being addressed or looked at from a different point of view and then for me it's just this slight difference where if it's about a fan debate Mm -hmm. about the quality of the film of a film you know it it just it it takes me out of the fantasy for for a beat does that happen to you at all well you become very aware of it. the hair one stood out the sand the sand one it's fun, but I know what you mean. If if it's if it's more, it's it's a, it's a, if it's about yeah, you said fan debates, but if it's a, yeah about the conversation around it, whereas say I don't know the Kitster one plays a little differently. The deck stuff is obviously completely different. I think so. I think it's fun. I think I, I agree with you on it's not it's not so much that didn't work in this novel or didn't work in the other ones. Yeah, I don't know. It's like I'm thinking of like uh, early Clone War stuff, which is just a collection of references at times, right? And you just yeah, become, I mean, where they overuse the the repeated dialogue. Yeah, yeah. and it starts to be cut. You, yeah, you're aware of it. So yeah, Obi Wan's mullet becoming it's a fun thing. Um, so I, I, it doesn't stand out to me as much. I mean, you just might be defensive of the mullet. Let's be honest. Here, here, here. Maybe you <laughs> I, I think I am. Cut it. Yeah, uh, I think I, I, I've never loved that haircut. That was uh, coming out of Attack of the Clones. It was like uh, I think my biggest <laughs> criticism is uh, I think he could do better. But for some reason, I was defensive yeah. of Anakin and Padme laughing at him behind his back, like. Okay, okay, Anakin. <laughs> really, really, your hair is that much better. But yeah, yeah. No, I, um, I get what you're saying. I totally do. Yeah, yeah. Not a major criticism. This is a very uh, subjective one. It's a fine line for me of the stuff that's like playing with what's in the the movies or the TV show and, and adding a new highlight in those moments where I feel just a little bounced out of the fantasy and I feel like I'm more in the fan debate than in the mm-hmm. in the world of Star Wars. 
Uh, do you have hopes for the future of uh, these characters? Are there any other stories you'd like to see in this specific era? I'd love to see Rogue come back in some way. You know, you have these tiny, tiny pockets in the Clone Wars era to to do it, but uh, that'd be interesting. Or if she survives and goes on and, and we get to explore uh, someone who, uh, you know, uh, helps uh, helps with the rebellion in some way, she wouldn't be out of place for me. Ooh, no, that's fascinating. I love that. Um, yeah, I love that this uh, book covered so much ground in their relationship, really got them from uh, Master and Apprentice to uh, their brotherhood, uh, addressed at least one, uh, addressed a lot of fun things of Obi-Wan getting on the council, them uh, transitioning into getting their uh, armor, uh, Obi-Wan's haircut. Uh, but it did leave room for things like Anakin's scar and uh, yep. Anakin's trials. And how did Obi-Wan and Anakin get their new famous blades yeah <laughs> you know those stories are still there to tell so i i would be happy to hear those in some medium and i i just feel like mill alabeth seems like a great contender for surviving order 66 and i would really Ooh. love that yeah that's excellent that's a, that's a great thought yeah i'd really like to follow up on how all that worked out for mill uh is there anything that we haven't talked about that you wanted to touch on in this extremely uh, fast fun but very dense book the old thing is Mike Chen scratched an itch on my pod racing love of it being like this fully <laughs> functional sport. So maybe, you know, maybe we can move one step closer to that pod racing game we all want. So it's great. I think that's great. Uh, final thing for me, I, I, Qui-Gon comes up a lot in this book, which I think is absolutely appropriate and great. Uh, page 52, where Obi-Wan is in the meeting and Dooku's being a jerk. <laughs> yes. And he, he talks about holding on to an image of Qui-Gon to keep calm. And that was such a great moment because I know you and I both <laughs> yeah, talk about yeah, that. And I think yeah. so many fans do. Of like yeah. When that question comes up, like, how do you deal with it when things are stressful? Well, just picture Qui-Gon on his knee. <laughs> 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 to hear Obi-Wan doing that too is great. Uh I have a final question. I have a fun question, but I also have a serious question that I realized I wanted to ask you. Mm. Uh, this is a, a book that celebrates the prequel films. It celebrates the Clone Wars animated series. As you were reading this, did you picture Obi-Wan and Anakin in live action, or did you picture them animated in your mind as you read? This is a great question. I've seen this in some other spots where some fans were like, I went animated. I think I had a mix. It's a great question, Joseph. I think I had a mix. I think anytime it was Kenobi, I pictured you and McGregor. I think it was Matt Lanter <laughs> when it was uh, 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 Anakin. And, you know, it doesn't uh, hurt that Asajj Ventures is around and we so far yeah. only have an animated version. But yeah, I, it was, it was, uh, that's not a shot against James Earl Taylor or Hayden Christensen. I just, it just, I had that, that's the kind of way it might be because of the Kenobi press. And I'm just so, you know, McGregor's face is just uh, everywhere right now, even on mm -hmm. a bus bench. I was, I was driving home today. So yes, uh, I think it was split. Yeah. It was really split for me. It went back and forth. There were moments where I really, really saw Hayden, but a lot of the dialogue I heard Matt Lanter, you know, cause we just got so much great uh, back and forth uh, in that era. And uh, I, 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 pictured live action Ewan and, and there's sometimes I heard James Arnold Taylor it was it was weird to suddenly be aware of it of like <laughs> it was like I was trying to focus and like uh, you know if I, if I look through uh, my left eye they're animated if I look through my right eye they're live action totally it was weird it was weird and fun uh, here's my fun question to wrap us up would you get a timeshare on Cato Nemodia? 
So I would now, and this is a fun question, but it's also a serious one. It goes back to the conversation. Uh, you know, my view of Cadenomodia is pretty interesting, you know, swings with cities in them or hammocks with cities in them. Got it. You know, we got an Order 66 sequence, but we got the bad guys. I don't want to go hang out with a bunch of bankers or, you know, uh, trade, uh, not the muns there, but you know what I mean? Like that, mm-hmm. would, that would be my view on it. Like it's some Douglas Adams, uh, you know, comment satire city that is just a bunch of you know corporate offices or something, <laughs> kids in the hall sketch or something. And now I was exposed to the other side of it and the beauty of it and the mist of it all and everything. So, yeah, absolutely. I would now. There you go. Yeah, no, I, I felt the same way of like, it's always been like interesting architecture to me, but the, uh, the amount that was celebrated about their architecture and great scene of Obi-Wan hiding his blade in it and in the, the plot convolution that, that, uh, the Nemodians wanted to be appreciated for their artwork and, you know, horribly that's what Kitar was going to destroy to make his point. Like it, the focus on like, this is beautiful. This place is beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Made me want to spend more time there. And yeah, I think that for me, there's always that like, uh, what, uh, stay overnight on a bridge. Yes. <laughs> uh, I should be afraid of that, but I, I want to sleep on a bridge yeah. <laughs> inside yeah. a building, but also on a bridge. <laughs> Amazing fun to me. Love it. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, all right. We are going to wrap up there. Uh, final thought for me. I just think this uh, book was a winner. Uh, big picture. I thought, you know, I love the old and the new in Star Wars, and I thought it knocked it out of the park on both. It, it felt so wonderful and familiar to just spend this wonderful time with uh, Obi-Wan and Anakin in this era and all the other characters. And then I just found all of the new characters and the new ideas uh, particularly rewarding as well. So two big thumbs up from me. Any uh, final review statements from you, Ken? Uh, If people want us to actually do reviews more, okay, here it is. Five and a half layers out of six layers of cake. (laughs) But how many cakes? (laughs) (laughs) Just know you just got six layers. Six is the best. Five and a half layers. Yep. Uh, absolutely great the the late night cake with mm. Dexter mm. Uh, alright Ken you want to let people know where they can find us absolutely we're on Twitter at Force Center Pod we're on Instagram and YouTube as well thanks for everyone who watched our live Q&A show you can go watch it if you missed it it's on there we'll do another one in June and maybe more on the way Facebook page is Force Center Podcast we're available on a lot of different spots including ACAST iHeartRadio and Apple Podcasts hey if you're on Apple Podcasts give us a rate and review we love those as well merch is available at tpublic.com slash user slash force center and you can support us directly at patreon.com slash force center if you so choose from there you can get into our discord where there's a lot of dex conversation that goes on all the time <laughs> you can find me at ken knapsack or go to my website ken if you're in socal and want to see some comedy at a world famous music venue we'll be doing comedy at the troubadour on june 4th tickets available through my website again at ken joseph where can they find you yeah, you can find me Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. And for all of my other comedy adventures, uh, past, present, and future, you can go to my website, josephscrimshaw.com. But for now, for myself, for Ken, for Anakin's Padawan Braid in Carbonite, this has been Force Center.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.